Good evening, glorious listeners. Ben's looking at me as if I'm just going to fall asleep, but I am not. I am excited. <laughs> so, uh, Ben and I are together again. Good evening, Ben. I like, we've never done this before. Not twice in a row. I know. I'm going to need medication. <laughs> Absolutely. So, thank you for joining us. Episode 38. Um, can you believe? Pretty awesome. So, uh, if you've been here since the start, thank you. Thank you so much. And if you just joined us, thank you so much as well. Um, as ever, we are first going to go straight into the hobby desk. Ben's been churning things out once again. Um, and uh, I have done a bit of stuff as well. Got a bit to chat about and a bit more. <laughs> um, moving into Galaxy of War. So we've seen some great stuff from the Heresy Weekend today. Uh, and Ben has put up what Grammy Award winning. Is it Grammy? Is that is that video award? I have no idea. Actually. I don't know. Oscar. Uh, Oscar. Oscar is, let's yeah. go Oscar award winning. Brit, there Brit we award. go. Yeah. That's, this is still going to be funny even after taking all this time. Oscar <laughs> award winning video footage um, <laughs> unboxing of Urban Conquest. Um, and we're going to have a chat about that. And into the mortal realms. So Ben has now got his hands on the Gloom Spike Gits, haven't you? Oh, yes. And I have madly uh, signed up to go to another event where i'm hoping not to come last again so we'll talk a little bit about my army list quite why you'd want to hear that i don't know but you might be able to give me some pointers in the uh in the community (laughs) yes i do yes in the community um this episode we've got a really cool interview with john ascom uh organizer of big wargaming convention come tournament come awesome chill out weekend uh, coming up in bristol in july uh, and then lastly it's the wilds and uh, we'll decide what we're going to talk about there as time goes on you ready i am ready let's go on the hobby desk Hi guys, and welcome to the Hobby Desk. Skulls, 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 skulls. Are you feeling like withdrawal symptoms because you haven't painted anything corn in? Skulls! No, I've started, I've started. Anyway, back to your introduction to the section. I've I've kind of completely lost Skulls! (laughs) (laughs) Right, anyone got like a spare co-host kicking around? Coffee and skulls! (laughs) (laughs) Imagine corn on coffee. Um... So we've been a bit busy. You've finished your scuttlings and done your started your flesh hounds. Flesh hounds. So proper dogs of forty k fancy sign. Anyway, thing is, is all these jokes about dogs and puppies. Yeah. They're actually space wolves, aren't they? They're what? wolves. Who what? Are? Space wolves. I always make jokes about dogs and puppies, and yeah, yeah, but it's nothing right. to do with that. No, they are. Wolves. So that, anyway, moving on. I have started some flesh hounds, and I finished my scutlings, and I finished my gaunt summoner. The scutlings sort of took you a lot longer than you thought, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Why? I think two things. I think I got sucked in to this idea that I could paint loads of stuff really quickly because I had done when I had a whole week off work <laughs> and actually when you go back to work <laughs> there isn't as much time no. so that was why one um and uh also there was eight of them 
And I don't know what it was. It was like some mental thing. Because I said, didn't I? I was only going to paint batches of five. Mm. And I was like, well, I'm not. I might as well just do eight because there mm. are only eight of them. And they are small. But I think it just affected me. Made me a bit twitchy. I was like, ooh. Mind you, I should be in. I should have an affinity with the number eight, really, shouldn't I? Yeah, I was, gonna, I was literally just about to say that. It's very strange. I was hoping you'd be proud of me for remembering that eight had something to do yeah. with corn. But I think also, because I came away, didn't I? Because I was down here. And yeah. I had this idea that I would just keep painting anyway, and it was actually harder to do that than I than I thought it would be. I find it really, really hard to go away on holiday and, and do hobby. You got to take stuff with you, and then and then you got to sort of carve time out, and really you're on holiday to be with other people, and it, it just ends up being really difficult. And the only time I've ever really been able to do it was Easter a few years ago, where Joe's parents hired a like a cottage house and the whole family were there and so there was periods of time where I could just sit in the morning when no one was up and paint um but I find it really hard I found through much hardship um that it's important to manage expectations about what a holiday is for because (laughs) we went away once to North Devon and I had in my head that I was on holiday and going to do some hobby yeah, and perhaps that was quite naive of me in reality because I'd gone away with my wife, <laughs> and uh, this was not an acceptable state of affairs, <laughs> and it caused it caused a bit of friction, and and it that sounds ridiculous, and it sounds a bit deep actually now that I'm talking about it, and it's all about understanding, but it is about managing expectations. So now when we go away. Before we go, we have a chat about what we want. From your and I have to be reasonable as well. I can't just be like, it's a bit easier now because I, there's Joshua and I love playing with Joshua. Not that I didn't love being with Harry. <laughs> That's good. Goodness. Sorry, how are you no, doing down there, there in your hole, Dad? Yeah, keep digging, keep digging. Um, <laughs> but like, so there's this window in the evenings, like when he goes to bed, which you used to paint. I there, used yeah. to paint. And, and so we're going away again at the end of February. And that's what my intention is. But then equally, I've got, you know, I make sure I'm totally engaged and doing family stuff at other times. Mm. Um, there we go. Bit of, bit of family podcast stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. Chuck it in. So yeah. And then I'm on to the flesh hounds. So base coated them all up real quick. Got the airbrush out. Did a bit of detail work. Um, with how the far along are you with them? Um, I have actually born with me, but they're not. They're not out in the in the shed of power, but I've done all the base coats and washed them down. So I'm now going to be. I'm actually doing the bases now before I finish the model because I sometimes I find when I'm painting, like you finish the miniature and you haven't done the base, and I get like a bit of a block, and I'm like, oh, mm. I'll do the base now. But in the past, where what I found quite useful is once I've done the washes because they're the really messy bit. Do the base then, mm. and then like it feels like a massive step, like forward, getting the base out of the way, and then I'll do the the other bits. But I want to get. I've got five more on the way from bits and kits because obviously at the moment they're only in that yeah, box. Yeah, it was quite funny because the the email came for the restock, and I was like, hands <laughs> <laughs> are coming. Um, so they're on the way. Depending on the impact of the snow, um, they shouldn't be too far away. It'd be nice. I'm off Monday. 
at home. Yeah. Just me and my brushes. So oh, cool. hopefully getting done. Finished, yeah. Anyway, you've done flipping awesome flying ship. And finished my dreadnought. And finished the dreadnought. Yeah. And I have to say, now that I'm here and I've seen them, they look great in the pictures, but seeing them in Perth, they're just brilliant. Thanks, mate. They really are good. And I said to you, didn't I, that your Redemptor, you've just got the pose and everything's just come together. I've seen a lot of Redemptors that they don't seem to... I just think people don't always use the poseability in the miniature. Yeah. And think about the fact that it is a giant... Walking robot. ...fighting robot. Yeah. And and somehow it just doesn't quite work. Um, But I think, yeah, I think it looks ace and all the sort of directional weathering on the... What is that thing called? Stormfang. Yeah, Stormfang. That's yeah. a Stormfang. Yeah. The troop transport one is a Storm Wolf. But I didn't realise that the Stormfang could transport six space wolves. Mm. So actually it's quite we'll talk about that later though, but um I find with the dreadnought, I've always imagined them as two two separate bits when it comes to modeling them as an item. So the legs and then the body. Because as much as it is a, a humanoid looking thing it is also a vehicle that is piloted by a dismembered corpse effectively in a sarcophagus so when it's moving forward i imagine the legs to be moving forward and the body is rotating and firing and doing whatever it does if that makes any sense so i I, i've always imagined them moving like that and with the redemptor kit you can make it look like the legs are walking it just looks a whole lot better Mm. um i think I always think back to um, the Dawn of War, the first video. Yeah, yeah. Where the Dreadnought's moving along and its upper body's spinning and firing. I really like that. So I try to get that posing idea in. But I think when it comes to robots, and we spoke about this a lot in Titanicus, I don't, I'm not a keen fan on the ridiculous hero-posed big walkers because as much as the rule of cool applies and they look great, I, I try to make my models look as realistic as possible, and the weight of these things is ridiculous. I mean, if a Challenger 2 is kicking around over over 50, I think it's something like 70 tonnes or something like that, then a Redemptor Dreadnought is going to be over 100 tonnes, and, and it's not going to be pirouetting on one leg. <laughs> it's made out of ceramite. Um, so I think there needs to be a weight to them. So well, I'm glad you like I was really chuffed with him. Um, it's the first time I'd use the airbrush to do like panel shading. I thought it was a good opportunity um, to have a go at that, but I, I didn't want to hit it too hard, so I used it as a pre-shade mm-hmm. rather than an actual shade and then went up with a bit of highlighting. Um, so I was quite happy with how that came out, actually. Um, and you went for Glowy Plasma, yeah, which has been very well received, yeah, and uh, you used the technique from uh, Mike. Mike you? Ingram, yeah. So um, after doing the plasma on my... Rune Priest, which I'm still pretty proud of, but he made a few suggestions and then I incorporated those suggestions into the Dreadnought um, and it it looks so much more like it's glowing um, that I think it, it, I felt like I've kind of upgraded or levelled up with OSL um, and then I applied the same principles to the Stormfang like Ice Cannon thing, the Hell, Hellfrost Cannon, and I think that works really well too, so I'm really chuffed with it. Um, it's interesting, I think, because it, you can't, it, it's become, or it had become very popular to do, use OSL on plasma 
en masse on armies as a quick way to try and do something funky. Yeah. But but actually, the way that you, like Mike suggested and you now do, you can't do it that way, can you? you no. It's not airbrushing into the top because the, the highlight is coming up from yeah. the bottom. Yeah. Um. So it does take that bit longer, but it looks flipping ace. I think it's worth it. I mean, Freakily just... ace. I tell you what, it, last episode we did a shout out to Eric E. Yep. And he, that. He does the same. He does the same. He had it on that caliber. Yeah. For the Skatari, didn't he? Yeah. And it looked brilliant. I remember saying to you, it looks like they put a light bulb in. Yeah. And that's, and then Mike was like, oh, by the way, this is how it works. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, cool. Um, well, I, I went away and subscribed to his Patreon, actually. Yes, I and, saw. And, um, I've watched his first two videos and if anyone wants, uh, uh, well, I think they're excellent. I think they're really, really excellent. I, I came away understanding some basic principles so much better. Um, that including object source lighting. So I'd had an idea with the dreadnought, what he was talking about, you know, with the suggestions he made. But then when I watched him do it from the ground up with the plague marine and that really wicked white scar, I was like, Oh, yes. <laughs> um, so now I feel a lot more confident with doing those, that technique. Um, it's like I've said before though, I don't want to overdo it on an army because I think that sometimes that can ruin it, but I think there is a place for it, plasma. Um, where it, it should almost almost be done. I'm thinking with the hell blasters because I did those with an airbrush. I'm thinking of going back on maybe one or two of them that have got the weapons raised and having put in the, the real glow in. So it looks like when they're sort of at ease, they're not powered up. And then when they raise their weapons, it sort of goes... Oh, that's quite good idea. So it looks like it's about to fire. Um, I'm, I'm trying to apply that principle. I might do it on two... And then mm. see whether it looks right as a squad, or whether it just looks like I couldn't be asked to do. This. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I was really, I was, I really highly recommend Mike Mike Ingram's or Mezgike's um, Patreon because it felt like sitting down and having a chat with a mate about how to do it. Um, uh, I've come away feeling a lot stronger on it. Well, I knew quite clearly. It's really nice to see a distinct difference, isn't it? It's like you, you, it's not. So brush control is like years and years and years or, or months and months or whatever. And it gradually improves, but you can literally go. I spoke to or, uh, messaged Mike Ingram and he, and I went from this, which looked good to this, which is like, what the flipping heck <laughs> in one model. Yeah. Because it's a concept and a, yeah. it's a technique and, yeah. and picking up ones of those. That's why I think these things online are great. Yeah. Yeah. And actually just, well, we've talked about hobby journeys in armies and I haven't got my space wheels out and put them side by side. So my, then my long fangs, my blood claw, then my long fangs, then my hell blasters, then my dreadnought. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. But what's interesting, because I've previously said I'm not keen on armies like that change. Yeah. But as an army, yeah, it still works. I think so. Doesn't it? Yeah. I think so. Like not to take away from the fact that the newer ones are really, really good, but it does. It's because I've, I've had the same thing with my corn mm. blood reavers. If I, if I put a blood reaver next to a raffmonger, yeah. It's like chalk and cheese. It's crazy. Yeah. But as part of an army, they work. 
And I think when when you're doing your long term armies, so hours of corn and space wars, um, they they never stop. I'll always be adding to my space wars. You'll always be adding to your corn. But when you're doing an army for a tournament, you can do the army and then almost shelve it and move on and then do the next army. And you see that a lot with people. They'll they'll sell these beautiful armies um, because they want to do a new army for a tournament and they're funding their new army with their old army. But And that's that's all. I, I don't think like that. I always do expansive projects. Like I tried to make all of my space moons for years Iron Snakes. And I ended up with a company of Iron Snakes. Um, and my space walls would be the same, but it does mean you get that gradation across them. Mm. The far, probably the biggest ones for me are my Black Templars, because that was right back when I got back into the hobby when I was in Southampton University. And my first ones are gopping. <laughs> they are <laughs> terrible. Um, and then as I went on, they, they, uh, you can see the change really quickly over like a, a year or so. Mm. Um, and I really wish that back then I'd had access to the same sort of internet awesome that we do now. Um, because all the advice and tips and how to do it would have been really useful. Um, so talking about long projects, M, so what's next on the Space Wolf list? Uh, Terminators. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, probably not. This month, February, but definitely then my next project. Um, I, Space Wolf Terminators were the thing for me when I was a kid. The Wolfguard Terminators looked so much more badass than everybody else's Terminators. Um, and the Space Wolf Codex was all out and, you know, it was a big kind of, the year I started was the year the Space Wolves came out, if I haven't said that a thousand times already. Um, but that, that unit with the dude with the wolf pelt on his, on his, Armor, I just loved it. I absolutely loved wonderful it. Wonderful kit. Um, and I was really chuffed to get the five of them because I don't I only had one left, and then I bought off of a friend the full squad. So I'm well chuffed with that. Oh um, yeah, sorry, we're talking about the metal. I was thinking about the dude because they've obviously they've reimagined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, thinking, I'm talking about the metal. One, you're yeah. talking about the metal. Yeah, well, they were great too. And they were the first metal unit that I ever got. So my first kind of Stuff was um, like the plastic uh, starts kit, and then I had the the Iron Priest. But then I saved up for ages and got the Wolfguard Terminators because I thought they were boss. Um, so for me, looking at my Space Wolf army now, there's a real sort of missing element, which is the Wolfguard Terminators. And then I'll probably do the aggressors and the the uh, the Repulsor Dreadnought, um, a Repulsor, a repulsor Tank. Sorry, because yeah. um, I. And now I'm feeling much more confident with vehicles. I want to really start to knock out the vehicles. Um, when it comes to the rhinos and the predators and the razorbacks, I'm, I am thinking of almost batch painting like the chassis en masse. The thing is, because you can lay down the main colour yep. quickly. Yep. Actually, if you were then to take all the other details and can and take take away the parts of the tank that are painted in that quick way yep. what you'd be left with is about the same as a 28 millimeter miniature yeah. on a predator and a, and yep. a rhino Absolutely, isn't it yeah. so it's not whilst it looks like a lot it's not a lot more than painting five if you had five rhinos it's not a lot different than a five man than squad, five man squad. Yeah. it is a bit but not a lot yeah 
And with that, I, I do really want to sit down because I haven't got chipping fluid to work as well as I want it to work yet. I mean, I've got it to work, but nowhere near like if I see people on the videos and it just looks perfect. I, I need to do that. So I'll probably mess around with a few pieces of necromunda scenery or something to get that sorted. Um, yeah, so that's, that's my space walls. The, the Stormfang. I know I could say this about the Dreadnought is a vehicle, but the Stormfang really feels like my first vehicle in a long, long time. Um, and I really want, wanted to see what the airbrush could do with it. So I really did the pre-shading on it, like they do on all of the airfix kits, right into all of the gaps with the black and then over it a bit with the greys and then highlighted it with the grey, light grey and then put the rust grey on. And I, I looked at it and thought, yes. Absolutely, that's just made my life so much easier. Just get that amount of shading across the model with a brush would have taken me weeks. Absolutely weeks. Pre-shading with an airbrush is one of the light bulb moments. Yeah. So uh, that I got on my salamanders from when I went to the MKA course. Yeah. It, it's just phenomenal. Game changing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, because it gets that graduation as well. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah, it, it is, it is a massive. And you can choose where you put the shade. I mean, um, I chose to do the panel variation on the dreadnought because actually when I stuck it under a light, there was a, there was an element of that kind of effect on it anyway. You know, light at the bottom of the panel. And even when the panel was at the top of the dreadnought front, meeting the bit that comes in from the top, it was darker at the top than it was at the bottom. And I thought, well, okay, well, I'll do that then because it makes sense. But with a vehicle, very, I'm very much a zenithal shader kind of person because I think, I think it makes a lot more sense to me than having all these great, I and mean, they look great and, and snazzy when people do it, but it doesn't look real. And for me, I, I have something has to look like it's, it's shrunk down version. That's where I'm heading for. Um, one day I'll get there. But I was quite chuffed with the weathering as well on the storm fan because it was a good chance to get lots of different things in, spread out across the model, and I was hoping it wasn't going to look a bit much. No, no, I think... So, you've got an option, haven't you, really? You either... Because you could, you could say, right, well, it's going to come in from outer space, so flipping everything's burning off that thing, yeah. and it's all just... And you could do that wonderfully, but there wouldn't be a lot of Space Wolf colour left of it, would there? No. But... I think what you've chosen to do is great because it showcases it's a space wolf vehicle, but it's got enough on there and the little directional bits, like distinctly there's a panel, little yellow panel with a wolf's head and I, and there's like something running off back away mm. from that corner and it's just that, that little snapshot just, oh, you know, it's going that way. Movement. Talking yeah. of which we were talking about this. So it looks like a brick that flies like, yeah, and you see so lots good. of comments about it being ridiculous. But I was looking at it on the shelf um, and I sort of noticed what appeared to be grav plates. And suddenly I turned to you and I was like, oh, I can see it. And, <laughs> and I could like really picture it yeah. sort of coming in like some kind of crazy ass war sled and like the back end just drooping down a bit. But then on the back end, because the grav plates are towards the front. Yeah. But on the back end is where all the thrusters are. Well, the thrusters so underneath just, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little ones under it. And you can just see like everything going. <laughs> <laughs> you can almost imagine that they would just plummet 
in and like no power and nothing just form yeah. and then it all just cuts in at the last minute yeah. and I almost think like you know like a blood couple of blood calls would nick one or two and then have a go and just yeah. see yeah. who could actually you know hit the floor and yeah. still be okay so yeah I, I i quite like it now i i never got it when i first saw it i was like a lot of people i saw the pictures and i was like that looks terrible why why and then I've said, like I said before, seeing it in Warhammer World, that was a big moment for me because it made a lot more sense. Actually holding it in my hand, though, it, it is a real... The amount of grav plates on the bottom of it, it would outdo a land speeder. Like the amount, it's probably got as much as the, as the repulsor tank, really. Um, so, yeah, sorry, Primaris. We got there first. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Ace. So, um, covers off the hobby desk, I think. It's like a shortest hobby desk, isn't it? It is quite a short hobby desk. Um, but, you know, short and sweet and all that. Yeah. That's okay. Oh, no, there is one thing I wanted to say. Basing, to come back to what you were saying earlier. When I based that Stormfang, I did that last night. It was the last thing I did. And it was an utter ache. And to the point where a lot of it's covered up because you can't see it. But the, the texture paint I put in, I didn't let dry. I just sort of did it with the hairdryer and then it was all a bit you could move it around with your finger and I was like well it's, it's dry enough to dry brush so that's <laughs> I did it but I have come to the conclusion very much now that I am going to form my base either away from the model and do it at the same time as building it or on the model you know around the model itself if I, if I can get away with that um, and then paint it at the end to finish it off or at the same time as the model because there's elements that tie it in, and I, I have been a bugger in the past for fine edge highlighting the feet of a space marine, only to stick it under gravel around it. And like, why did I, why did I even bother doing that? Um, when it comes to basing, though, I think that Patreon by Mezgeek was really interesting because his first model, his um, Death Guard, are clearly like a quasi army for him I suppose They're not very fast growing but he's got a fair few of them now and he did that base really quickly it was just sort of gravel and a, and a checker plate and a few washes and that was it done and the second model he did he spent as long painting like this dead servo thing on it and all of the marble on it as he did painting other elements of the model um, and that, that was a I often, very often, don't bother at all with painting stuff on bases. So, for example, if there's a skull on the base of something, that's getting dry brushed. That's, <laughs> that's very rarely gets painted. I might do like the final highlight and paint it because I just often don't see the point in an army, but it's really nice to watch someone sort of take um, a bit of time. And if you've seen his last two, one of them is the Frozen Primaris. Yeah. And now for his Archon, he's done like a, like a viewing glass viewing screen. So the, his elder lord dude is standing on like a glass plate and you can see his armada through it. Yeah. One day I might care enough about my, <laughs> my character model to do that. It's interesting talking about bases um, because I saw Mike Cobham today and um, he said to me, there's somebody at the club and they're doing something and I can't decide whether it's genius or looks absolutely rubbish. And I was like, well, that's interesting. What, what is it? And he was like, well, with his bases, 
they're all on like clear plastic bases. And I, and that made me smile because obviously I've seen those and I spoke about that before. And, um, it was just interesting really to talk to somebody else about it because Mike was like, but it's cool because they all look like they're in a diorama every time they're on the board. Yeah. But then when you pick them up, it just looks shoddy. <laughs> so I said to him, like, so I've come down, because I toyed with them for Silver Tower. Oh, yeah, yeah. But in the end, and I think partly because I've started to enjoy basing more, yeah. so I feel like if all you ever do, which is fine, is sand your base and dry brush it, or just paint it green and put flock on it, there's not a lot of difference for me between that and a clear base. Yeah. But if you take what you've done with your Stormfang or how I do my corn now and the stuff you see where the base, it, it, it provides a setting for the miniature. Yep. Away from the gaming table as yeah. well. Um, so I'm absolutely, yeah, no, you know, the plastic acrylic base thing isn't for me, but I just thought it was interesting to talk about. <laughs> so. Excellent. So let's move on to. Uh, Galaxy of War. Absolutely. Welcome, listeners, to the grim darkness of the far future. There you go. A bit more sinister this week. Is that all right? Yeah, not bad. Good. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's coming along, isn't it? So, into the galaxy of war. Um, loads of stuff has been pinging up. It's been the Heresy Weekender. Yeah. Hasn't it? Yeah. Um, and just before the Heresy we- Weekender, we saw a new Primarch. Yep. Which has divided opinion once <laughs> again. You never see that. So I think I would love to talk about him because much like when Primaris came out, although in a much shorter period with Sanguinius, I went from huh? to oh. that's yeah. my angelic. I think that's appropriate for Sanguinius. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I want to hear what you think of Sanguinius. Um, th- I know it's not Russ. We know that. So the only thing that I have with Sanguinius that I didn't like was his face. But then the Primarchs have all been sculpted with a very hard-edged, sort of aquiline face that is un- that is universal across the whole sculpt range. I think it's done by the same guys, um, and I think that's the look that they wanted to go for. That they're so hyper-masculine that that you know all the cheekbones are all pronounced and they they look like almost non-human, which they're not. And I've accepted that as a design style. Otherwise, I loved it. Because at the moment I saw it, I was like, that is Michelangelo kicking the crap out of the devil. Flat out. I, I love it. Not Michelangelo. Michael kicking the crap out of the, the devil. Um, and now, now they've shown the new one where he is actually just absolutely spearing a great demon. I'm like, that is how the model is supposed to be. And the other basis for gaming. That is the real one. That's the, that's what it's all about. That, with the spear particularly, because he's come, it, the, his hand position is much better. Um, yeah, I'm in, I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, really, really pleased with it. And I'm not a Blood Angel player. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, it's excellent. Um, 
But not the most exciting thing for me to come out of Forgeville this weekend. They've released nice Space Wolf models and they are really awesome. I <laughs> them. So wicked. I was like, oh my God. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Everything I wanted the Death Sworn to be and possibly a little more. There's a dude just carrying a massive, I think it's a stasis bomb. Like just walking forward, it's in no rush. Here you go, have this. This is for you. Because <laughs> I don't mind if I die, and you're gonna. <laughs> brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Would like to see the guy doing the hacker at the back a little bit closer, because he he looks a bit odd sat at the back, and I think that's one where you're going to need to turn the angle, play around with the model a bit to get the position. Yeah, very happy with that. I'm glad you're happy. Obviously, I've struggled so hard with the. 30k space wars. But hopefully they'll provide like a linchpin now for your excitement. Yeah. Because obviously you love space wars, but it, it has taken a bit of a barren, like you were going to say, with 30k. But there'll be like a linchpin now which you can build your excitement off Yeah, that bit of the miniatures. Because, you know, when you look at what you did on your Dreadnought with all the not work and stuff, yeah. and you look at the transfers that are available for 30k, a 30k space wolf army... Before any models were done for it, yeah, could look wonderful. Yeah. And it is a shame that some of that opportunity hasn't been realised as maybe has as you might have liked. But it's great to see that some of it has. Mm. Those those skull helms are. I just want if anyone from Forge Rod is listening, I'd like a ten pack of those, please. Yeah. Just flat out, just release them as a ten pack because oh, imagine oh uh, yeah. Just to buy loads of Ulrich the Slayer. Yes. <laughs> well, that's one of the things I love about the one that they've done is they look like Ulrich the Slayer's helmet. Mm. So it makes that helmet feel like it's a real, like, heirloom yeah, of the chapter. Yeah, so, like, that's this great is, way this, of this has come down through the ages and it's like the last one. Uh, and only the wolf priest, or only the wolf priests get them. Um, I, I love that because it's, they've, they've made it look so similar that it could well be his helmet. So, you know, modelling his helmet onto him with one of those would be dead easy. Just stick that on and, you know, put whatever else you want in his other hand. And people do that anyway. Um, it's a great little simple conversion to replace this helmet holding hand with a plasma pistol and stick the helmet on his head. Uh, but, yeah. So I I just want to whip back to Sanguinius. Okay. I haven't done that. I flipping love him. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't. I When I saw the pose first, I was a bit like, What's going on here? Mm. Um, I just couldn't quite see it. Then I saw the 360 unpainted and I started to fall in love and I was like, oh, that's great. Now I've seen it on that base. I said to you earlier, it's very rare for me because whilst I enjoy painting now compared to in the past when I, it was just a chore, I'm not, I don't do this hobby to paint models. That's not, that's not why I collect it. I collect because of story and collectiness and all sorts of things but that is a model that i've seen and i thought i would love to paint that and put it on the shelf because it looks fantastic mm. and and like even i really like like you can see the tears where he's torn off the wings off the yeah off the demon i think that's really cool it's just wonderful interesting that that one is limited and separate to the gaming one because on all the other Primarchs, they've got a sort of a display base, admittedly not quite to that degree, mm. but they've got a bit of a display base going on, haven't they? Mm. And then 
It's Russ, actually. Russ and Magnus. They got. Yeah, they I got... know they get one you can get, like, to set them fighting each other. But yeah. But they got separate. Did they no. come with one? No, so they are the same. Yeah, so I was just going to say, I can imagine them being quite expensive with the, with the base as well. Yeah, but that base is still available. I'm sure it is. Yeah, it is. For, for Russ and Magnus. Yeah. This one's limited, though. I'd, oh, that'd be a shame if it was. No, it, I'm sure it is. That's what they said. It's a, it's a limited release of him like that. Oh, that's disappointing. That, that's why the cookie crumbles up. Yeah. But, so I, so I do. If I ever turned around to do Blood Angels, I wouldn't be able to get hold of it. It'd be a shame. So we've also seen Raldoran. Is it Raldoran? Raldoran? Raldoran, Raldoran. So we've seen him. He looks very, very cool. Wiping the blood off of his sword. Yeah, and that's Ace. Yeah. That is Ace. There was an Empire model. Yes, there was, yeah. yeah. I quite like that. Still got that kicking around somewhere, actually. Have you? I do, yeah. yeah. That's a really nice model. Um, and white scars. So Ben the base is very excited because mm. he does white scars, and they've got dreadnoughts, which is unusual for white scars. But they do actually talk about that in the article. Um, but they still say, you know, there are still warriors that will go into dreadnought. In fact, they said we. It says something like <laughs> we think that, um, you know, the opportunity to go into a massive heavy walker that can kick ass and fire all his guns or something. Just about makes up for not being able to ride a bike anymore. <laughs> so yeah. they're pretty cool. The prey tours are stunning. Yeah, they're very that nice. running one with the yeah. Oh, he's lovely. And um, and they got their own like jet bike thing going on. Land yeah, speeder, land speeder. Yeah, yeah, with more guns. Yeah, so that's brilliant. And um, they're also getting some terminators, which look like they are going to be gorgeous. Yeah, they look really nice. Um. So we've seen them. New Dreadnought Drop Pods come out at last. Yeah. So that's good to see. That is good to that see. That makes me want to do another army. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just because, yeah. Um, <laughs> for those reasons. <laughs> for those reasons. Oh, I'm really, I'm so stuck, man. I'm just like, oh, I just, I want to do World Eaters because I do them in 40k and my soul is like crying out to turn completely chaos. But... And this is the problem. There's a little bit left. There's a glimmering light. <laughs> and you know the colour that it's glimmering is ultramarine blue <laughs> as well. And I'm like so much. Like you see those ones with the shields and yeah, the axes. Yeah. And Gilliman with his like, oh, I'm awesome pose. And oh, I'm just like, oh, I want to do it so bad, man. And then I read books like that Kelf book and I'm like, you word bearers in your face. I just want to kill them all. And oh, he's so cool. And so, yeah. And and then like all the chaos comes as like suppresses. It's like, get back in your box, you stupid bit of blue soul. And yeah, so that's pretty hard to deal with. Um, and I've been sending you pictures of World Eater Army. I well. know, <laughs> I know. And they're so that that Mastodon you sent me a picture of, oh, it's too much, too much. So, um, but there's also there's a dreadnought with some kind of jump pack on it. It's a Blood Angel one, yeah. That's a bit of an. I'm not sure I like that. I'm always loath to give an opinion on a miniature on the podcast because normally it's basically it records what you think, and then a few episodes later I have to go back and go, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Oh, I like the look of it. I like the concept of it. I'd never want to face that in battle. 
It's I a don't. massive lightning claw wielding. But it looks ridiculous. It looks like it's got nozzles coming out of his arse that it's just going to go. Like <laughs> <laughs> that. Oh dear. But anyway, one one to see in person. I'm perhaps. sure when I see it in person, I'll love it. In fact, you know what they'll do? What if they're listening? Because obviously they're influenced. Their design is influenced by what we say. They'll just etch into the front of it, Citadel, and that was it. I'll buy it then. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So, so yeah, some some awesome new stuff come in from for Heresy, which is really good to see. Actually, I was going to say a bit a minute ago that it, it is it's felt a while, like a while since the Heresy has had something, and now the Blood Angels have come very. And then the white scars. Yeah, there's a momentum, isn't there, now that I feel it's nice to see. And, and a giant mole. And a giant mole. And all just thrown into the mix as if to say, oh, we finished these guys off. Is there space for us? I just think, yes. Yes. It feels like it's worth actually painting my space walls. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to do them in a completely different style than I do in my current space walls. There's going to be a lot more just sort of zenithal work and then chip in and, you know, really look like they've been in the long war because that's what they were in. Yeah. You know, and, and then focusing on things like the heads, getting them painted nicely. Yeah. I, I, I think that's the last thing I need to finish off to have an army to, for everything that we play. Yeah. So, so um, <clears throat> anyway, because no one's really interested in you and your space wars, Necromunda... <laughs> so there's a whole load of stuff being shown for Necromunda, including tiny rats with candles on their head, trapped with explosives. One of them's got wheelchairs. Yes. <laughs> like, what, <laughs> what is that? that? Look, Cordor will repurpose or oh, um, re sort of scavenge anything, even a, a rat <laughs> with no back legs <laughs> that can so be bad. put to use. Um, a whole bunch of bounty hunters. Yeah, and they are they are so nice. They're I mean, now taken alongside the other bounty hunters, you have a, a a much better range of bounty hunters than we... I mean, we only had like three or four. I mean, that many. I don't think it was that many at all, really. Four at the most, I think. Hmm. And now you've got... Or double that. And they're all different. You've got like that rich dude with the curly hair. You've got... Guy looks like an Orlock with, you know, like bolter ammunition all over yeah. him. you got a dude with a, he- a, a hood over his head. A bag, baghead man, baghead man. Bag man, and a floaty, massive fat dude. That is the most forty k thing. That's straight out of John Blanche's mind. That is. That's like here's the most terrific thing you could possibly imagine uh, done. I want to paint that just because that is going to be all over Inquisitor twenty eight. You can almost feel the the, the Blanchitsu community going. I need that now. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. But I think the thing that I'm so excited about is the squat. Yeah. Because there's not just one now. There's now two. Yeah. And when there's two, that means there's more. It's not like the last surviving squat in Necromunda. There, there, there is now squats. Period. In Necromunda. Which means there are squats. At least on that planet. Uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, my mind did this when I, um, opened Temporal Distort, which came with White Dwarf this month. And it was, yeah, t- yeah, Space Marine, Squats versus... So not only oh. was it acknowledging and celebrating Space Marine... Which we all secretly would love for Forgeworld to go on, here's an, here's an add-on for 
yeah. Titanicus. And, yeah. and it might not happen, but one of the things that's been nice over the last couple of years, actually, is that GW are acknowledging and, and celebrating things that they've done before. Yeah. More. So not only did it do that, it then did it with squats. Yeah. So that means that it's happy for its current, like anybody knew, people that didn't know about squats to know that squats are a thing. Yeah. Might be because they'll look at the models and be like, what now? Well, there's <laughs> but, this little fly, like, Gunship things that look like the orcas from, um, yeah, from the little copter. Oh, from, oh, what's the name of that computer game? Commander Conquer. Yes. Oh, mate. Yes. Yes. Please. Please. Because <laughs> the, the ones they've done for Necromander look wicked. That big dwarfy looking dude with all the ammunition crates. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's wonderful. So, so yeah, that's, that's really good to see. And some really nice concept art. For Ashway Nomad type stuff. Yeah. Like riding beasts and, and it is only concept art at that stage, but it's lovely to see. Yeah. Yeah, Necromunda's becoming a real much bigger beast, I think. I've I've come down I think, having talked to Ben the Basil about I've kind of explaining all the ideas I had. I've decided on what I would like to do for my Necromunda gang. The one that really would catch me. Um Orlock. Done as like a biker gang. Yes. Um, probably if they, I haven't seen the back of their jackets, but probably with like a painted design on the back of their jackets, and then have them. So I'd, I'd use the Gene Stiller Colt bikes and do those up. Maybe might turn them into choppers with like longer yeah. front span, and then have their base, the headquarters, done as like a, a drinking hole. Yeah. Uh, and the bikes lined up out front, so you could have missions where if they're attacked and they were inside, they've got to get outside and get on their bikes, and and then you can have it outside the hive or inside the hive. I'm really excited about it. Like I can feel it, like Buzzing. taking root inside me. Um, so that that's something I, I nearly bought a box of all of the other day, actually. Nearly. <laughs> Very nearly. Excellent. Yeah. So, so, talking about the Gene Steelers cult bikes. So that was a segue. That was excellent. I planted that. That so was excellent. Professional. For a professional podcasting unit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Go on then. Well, no, I, was, I gave it to you. Well, no, you now I've ruined it, oh, So the segue's gone. It's all gone, gone right? wrong. Oh. I, that's what I do, dude. I bring the chaos. Yeah. Well, the Gene Steelers cults <laughs> are with us now. Um... Their range is all is all kind of effectively out, and clearly what they are and what they what their boxes are like. Um, the bike box. We need to talk about the bike box. Has all of them in apart from the sniper dude? Uh, and somebody posted when the picture first came up. I really hope that they are all in. Yeah, yeah. All in one box, and they were. I just think it's brilliant because I can see that now. Like for my all lot gang, they have one box. But I think. Um, I think there's a lot going on with them that I really, really like. A lot of like little details that hint at Imperial technology that isn't in other Imperial forces, but you can imagine that they would be. Um particular fan of um the fact that they've got multiple heads and things like that. So there's a lot of you can have the same character done two or three times. How much is the bike unit? You just a thirty two fifty. That's not bad, is it? Hey. No. <laughs> the character's twenty two fifty, so yeah, balances yeah. out, <laughs> but that's fine. 
exciting, isn't it? Well, they, they, the dice are circular. Oh, no, they're not. They're black with a circle. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that would have been an interesting approach to a dice. <laughs> well, you can get ball dice. Yeah, weighted, yeah, with weights, yeah. yeah. Not that I'd trust them. Not at all. You don't trust any dice, though. They all hate you. They do. It doesn't matter what shape they are. True. They could be flat with the six, and you throw them down and they come up the other way. <laughs> mm. Oh, I said, for me, the Gene Stokots are exciting because I, I can see bits in all of the models that I would use. Yeah, like the, the guy with the command deck. Um, the Nexus. All of them. I like the Locusts as well. I, could, I can see something that I would use them for were all of them. Um, that wouldn't be just a cult. So they're, they're really multi-use models. Mm. Um, I've got two squads of the Gene the cult, like trooper ones now that, um, I'm probably not going to, um, use as Gene the cult. We're going to turn them into guardsmen. Yeah. Yeah. Different ilk of guardsmen. Um, yes. Well, I like them too. <laughs> I do like them. It's nice to see them, see them fleshed out, isn't it? (laughs) The evil you just gave me then. (laughs) I didn't give you an evil. Flash that one. (laughs) No limousines yet, though. No. I really want a limousine. But maybe they decided to steer away from them. They've got the big, like, technical. Oh yeah, they've got, they've got, they've got the, but you know what would be good? If they did, obviously it's all good anyway, but because we're hobbyists, we always want more. A rig, like a combat rig, like Ripley has in. Oh yeah, in well, like Alien. a servo loader. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah, yeah. They would exist, wouldn't they? Yeah. In the Nexus, so, well, the the knights were like bigger yeah. versions of them, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. Well, somebody did that in Games Workshop Plymouth. Did you see? Yes. They turned the knight yeah. into a. That did look very good, actually. Used a bit of armature going on and a bit of something else. Mm. I think it worked pretty well. And they put drop pod. Well, I want to call it wings on a Valkyrie. That looked good. Oh, uh, yes, that did look good. Yeah. Really simple conversion that just, it looks like it could unfold or fold those wings. Mm. Uh, yeah, I love that. It's very, very good. Um, I should have taken a photograph of that. We could have put it on. I'll get Rob to take a photograph and we'll pop that on our show notes because that was really very special. Um, Urban Conquest. You had a little flick through it. Yeah, I had a quick look. It, well, Anyone who knows me knows I absolutely love urban combat books. Urban Warfare, what was the last one to City Fight and Cities of Death were the last two. Um, I think for me, the thing that it's nice to have a campaign box that helps you to run campaigns. And there is a lot of information in there. Um, it's a decent sized book, half of which is background mm-hmm. and half of it is rules. Um, what I thought well, let's talk about the positives. So that the box set is awesome. The models in it are awesome. The quality of everything is great. Um, it's got some really cool ideas of how to actually run the campaign that I think yeah. is much better. That you effectively you have this like wall hanging with card slots in, and then you deal a deck which creates your city and you put them on, and then the players have territories. So you can either scatter them across or have them in the center, but it represents the city in a kind of gridded out way. Oh, because they're the hive sprawls, aren't they? In yeah. Indigenous, yeah. Um, and then you, you, you play the games and, and then sort of maneuver around this board to take objectives. And on the right hand side, you have all of like things like stratagems and that kind of stuff that add into the mix. Um, 
and I can see that being really dynamic, cool focal point to a, um, you know, to a campaign. The thing I like about it the most is that every time you deal a deck, you get a different environment. Mm. So the city changes every single time. Um, you're not playing over the same map again and again, which I think is Firestorm suffered from a little bit. Um, I'm pointing over there because that's where it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I really like the mechanic that they've come up with, and I'm gonna talk Ross and Marcus into playing a three three player game version of it. So, um, so I can like really test it out, use it, and see what we think of it. Because um, I I like when you're playing in a cub, I much prefer to hang everything on a narrative rather yeah. than play one or two games here and there and they're not very much to it. Um, so that's, yeah, that's the positives about it. I, I, if anyone saw my video, I did talk about the things that I thought were drawbacks from my first impressions. First one being the player cards. Um, I said I was a bit, I thought it was a bit of a shame that um, they weren't dry wipes so you could write your name on that on it. But then actually the more I've thought about it, um, what you would do is you put them in the slots on the on the sheet, and then you dry wipe on the slot slots, um, which I think solves that problem quite nicely. Um, the other thing which I still stand by is one of the things I loved about Cities of Death when it first came out was that it felt it, like it created a whole new way of playing the game. So the way you modelled everything, everything was put on urban bases. In fact, with Cities of Death, they the Vestroians released as well, so which were all they did the whole army to be a city fight army, and they, they did a whole tower army in white and red mm. as a city fight army. So, um, and they, they did lots of articles on how to make snipers and how to, to make sappers and all of that kind of stuff. I thought there was a bit of a lack of hobby in the book, which I know it's not a hobby, it's not a hobby in inverted commas product. It's a gaming product, but I, I would have liked to have seen that in there. Um, because I think it's been such an awesome part of the other two, the mm. last two. Um, but overall, I think it's, it looks ace, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be playing it. Well, I, I think it's going to be something that I'm going to pick up, because I wasn't going to pick it up, but the book has got quite a lot of Vigilus in it, Yeah, and I've bought Vigilus, yeah. and I want to buy the next Vigilus when that comes out, and I want to keep up to speed with what's happening on Vigilus. Yeah. And I don't think the book isn't hardback, which me, leads me to feel that it won't come out separately to the box. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, I mean, the box is £60. It's not, I know £60 is a lot of money, but it's not like ridiculous, is it? It's not. No, I've actually thought you'd go in there. And actually, if you, if you look around, you can get it for 45 50 Yeah. Can't you? And you get a lot in there. I think. It would be nice to get hold of some of the basilicum type, the kill team scenery that you've yeah. got, just because the scatter is very much that, yeah. isn't it? It's not, it's yeah. not um, scatter, Munitorum or the other thing. I, I saw on the back of one of their statues today that I, I've not seen the back of the statues from the you know the new city fight stuff. It's got like pressure gauges and cogs and pipe work on the back. As if those statues move, yeah, like, like different times of the day or something. They're doing different things so that people feel like they're like a real presence. That's cool, isn't it? Um, I can't see any other reason why there would be like pressure gauges on the back of them. Um, I now in my head, I've got this idea that the heads move right and watch people, and 
Yeah. Quite taken with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty 40k, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, that brings us to the end of everything we wanted to talk about 40k. Um, other than what our plans are for our own armies, but we've sort of covered that already. Um, we have a date for the game that we'll tentatively sort of penciled in of March the 15th. Um, we're looking to play like a narrative game. Space was versus corn, so about 1,750, which gives me some... I, I'm really chuffed with that number, actually, because it gives me some wiggle room with my list. Good. Rather than desperately trying to get stuff to make fill it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can now sort of look about what I want to get rid of. 1,750 is a tough number to fit Grimnar in, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's not tough go. for Khan. Not now he went down by 40 points. Oof. On that bombshell, we'll see you in the mortal realms. <laughs> Welcome back, guys. Um, we are in the uh, mortal realms, and I have got my, I've got my grots, dude. My Gretchen. I know my goblins. Lots of excitement. Um, so I've, I've been very lucky for my birthday. I've got almost everything I, I wanted, which was pretty much the entire Gloom Spike Gits range. <laughs> um, and, um, I'm busily kind of trying to put together what I've wanted, but actually it's, it, it, it's such a large range of models that I want one of everything, <laughs> which makes it uh, the army list writing a bit of a challenge really, because I feel like I wanted a squig army, but now I don't really want a squig army because the trolls look amazing. And believe me, I am the biggest fan of the old trolls. I love the new ones. Yeah, they're, they're ace. Absolutely brilliant. Um, so the army that I'm currently sort of got working on is um, a bit of everything at the moment. And it's going to be my project over the next couple of months. So they need finishing. Yeah, my, I saw them. I spotted them as we came in. Yeah, they're, they're my... Um, Hard boys. I want another unit of ten done. So they're um they've had the airbrushing done. One of the things I love about this this airbrushing with with, well, with with the Oryx is that once I've put it down, I don't really care about it. It's an, I don't mind if it gets damaged or dirty because that's what it's going to be. That's the concept of the whole army is that it's white that's damaged and dirty. So um they're sitting ready to go. Um probably wouldn't mind doing a few other things, but anyway, it's it's going to be a couple of months. Of getting out my my grot box um, and pulling out all of them together and, and sorting them because I'm I'm full into getting them. So is that what you're doing this month? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably next month as well, unless they bring in. But I'm going to inter intersperse them. So I'm going to do grot unit, probably a, a black stone fortress model. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So go back and forward between the two. I'll probably do that one model like one night or something and work my way through the box um, to keep it a bit fresh. So, mm-hmm. um, and then when I've done those, um, then take stock and see where I am and plan my next sort of plan of attack. Probably go on to a 40k army and then do the same with Shadespire models. Yep. Um, or Shadespire and Silver Tower models. Yep. So yep. Um, to do it That's that way. That's a good way. That's actually what I've done. Yeah, like from your advice, uh, without really thinking about it, I'm, I'm doing that with Silver Tower. 
The first thing I need to do with my grots is to get them all out, all the ones I've painted, and have a look to see... Because I've got 40 of them painted. Mm. And have a look to see how I can tie them into my destruction theme. Yeah. Which I'm thinking of changing the cloaks so there's to, to one of two colours, so either like a really grubby white or um, red. And the shields, get rid of the yellow, change that to red and white. And do the bases so they all fit in with the... So largely repainting them. Yeah, well, it depends on whether or not... When I've got them all out, I'm going to stick them next to my Oryx, my Iron Jaws, and see how they feel, the colours. Because I wanted them to be brown, so I wanted them to look like dirty rags, effectively. Um, what I will probably do, rather than actually repaint the whole hood, is put like dags on them, like, like you know, little spiky bits, yeah. or a few flames on the leaders, add a bit of detail... Um, and leave it at that, really. I'm not going to be leaving out my old grot models. No. I have a unit of squig herders, um, and... Well, I don't think you need to. I squig think they, hoppers. They will... Yeah, balance in with the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I do it that way. Yeah. There is one model I have yet to pick up that I really want. It's the old war boss with the whopping great squig on the chains. Yeah, that's got to happen, because I love him. Because it's just basically just a giant mouth on legs that the grot feeds. The <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's my plan for this Did you get a mangler squig? I did. Yeah. I'm going to have two. Yeah. Um, one with the loon boss, one without. Um, Wait, the loon boss rides the mangler squig? Oh, amazing. I thought the kit made a loon boss no. on a squig, not not a loom boss on a mangler squig. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, so I've got the boss, loom boss on a squig, the old model. Yeah. I've got that, um, so I'll be using that. I'll be able to do the squig detachment, so, or battalion, or whatever they call them. Ah, uh, so. Get the codex out. <laughs> it's a walk scroll battalion that you'll find in the battle tone. Yeah. No, leave me alone. Squig- not not, not squig- a detachment in the codex. Squig- <laughs> squig- <laughs> squig- um So one loon boss on Mangler Squig or one loon boss on Giant Cave Squig, so I'll be able to pull that off. And then naught to three loon bosses on Giant Cave Squig. So if I build the loon yeah. boss on the Mangler Squig and then a loon boss on a Cave Squig, yeah. and then one Squig Rider Stampede and then another Mangler Squig, and then two up, up to two Squig Herd units. So... Really, all I need is a mangler squig. Well, even that... then, I don't need to have the loon bosses. So I've no. got I've got the sort of basics of it. So the squig re- rider stampede. Yeah. Well, is that just a unit? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if that was like I a name so, for yeah. another war scroll battalion. That's a very good question because that's sometimes how it, it, it happens, isn't it? Or... Oh, squig hoppers. No, you won't be right. So hang on, so, hang on. there's got to be another, Ooh, there's got to be yeah, another battalion in here. Somewhere. Flicky flick. Sorry, guys. Alright. Uh, squig Rose Strampede. So two, three units of Squig Hoppers. Right, so you need two units of Squig Hoppers instead yeah. of one. That's alright, though, isn't it? Well, I've got the old unit yeah. and the new unit. Oh, well, there um, you go. So I've got that covered. Um, I can do probably quite a lot of the other stuff as well. The Gobble Police, I'm going to leave that for... Can you... Oh, yeah, you can. 
Buy them separately. Yeah. 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 Oh, brilliant. Oh, that's brilliant. They are wonderful. They are. And actually, where's the where's the one that's brewing stuff? He's the best. He's my favorite. Yeah, him. Look how grumpy he looks. Yeah. Love it. I think um, I want to leave those though until I've got the bulk of the army down, Mm. and then choose which you know how to accent the army because I did. I did um, the fungoid cave shaven, whatever he was called when he was, yeah, um, in Malign Portent. So I've got like that dude already. Um, Is he's... it Stink Mullet? Yeah, Stink Mullet. Yeah, yeah, Stink Mullet. Oh, I don't know. Um, you got me the Loon Boss today. Like by far my favourite model in the range. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Have him as a sort of on foot leader, but yes. One thing I've never got is fanatics, so I don't have any of the old fanatics. Oh, even like the last ones in plastic. These actually are a wonderful snapshot. If you get the previous ones in plastic and the current ones yeah. in plastic, of, of how, how far, far we've come, yeah, it's just mad. I'm, I'm, I've been looking around to see if I can get the old ones in plastic, but they don't seem to be. To be honest, because I I remember feeling that the the old ones in plastic were a step down in quality to the metal ones before that. Because yeah. before that, there was other metal ones. Then they did metal ones yeah. that looked really ace. And then I felt like the plastic ones were a step down. Mm. But now, these plastic ones are, like, brilliant. I just feel like I've missed the Fanatic. I, just, I feel you've, like I've missed You've not them. got Fanatic enough about Goblins. No, yeah. No. One of the things I've really loved about the Goblins... Is the back of the box? You know, the back of the boxes have like, yeah. like a little sort of catchphrase. Um, yeah. On, on to kind of give people an idea of what they are. Like this, the back, the ones on the back of the. Oh god, they're so funny. Like the fanatics <laughs> are the um, lunatic whirlwinds of death, or something like that. I just love it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. But imagine that loon boss painted in white and red, like my. Oh, yeah, he'll fit in. He'll fit in so nice. He'll look great. Yeah. What I am sad about, there's no scuttlings. Is there not? No, there, there isn't. And I was really surprised about that. Um, not anywhere. That's that's a real surprise. That particularly surprises me because the other spider stuff is in there. Yeah. Yep, the other spider stuff is in there. And the one of the Gobbapalooza... Is a is a scuttling, yeah. Spiker is a scuttling, so I I don't know why they haven't done that, um, and I don't know how I'm going to include them in it. I've, so well, they they must. I they'll have a war scroll. I would have thought so. You could have them as allies. Yeah, I would. I would have thought so. I just am surprised that they're not in here. To be honest, I am surprised. I expect them to be in there. To be honest, I actually expected the. Uh, the spider goblins not to be in here, yeah, in here at all. Yeah, the other thing that I've noticed is that the old sort of standard trolls aren't in here that I can see. You know, you had like the oh yeah, the standard troll. I've had to go one right here. Yeah, I've seen him up there. Yeah, him that came with um, skull pass. There's the plastic one, hmm. and they did him. They're they're not in here, which I find a bit weird as well. That is a bit weird. So I'm not really sure how to include them. 
So I might just finish them off and have it. I don't know. So at the moment, we've got the Fellwater and the Rock Guts. Mm. Which are both excellent models, so... Um, and I'm going to try and pick both of them up. But I'm a bit, just a bit surprised that they don't have those in there, so... But... There's probably a war score for them somewhere. Well, I would have thought so. That's what I was just looking looking for, actually, but I couldn't find it quite easily. So, I'll, maybe I'll have a flick through later, later and put, yeah, and see see what we can find. I, in in my head, I have no concept of this ever being like, designed as a tournament list. It's just going to be a mass, a horde of of green. Yeah, but the great thing is. Because you will collect everything, you'll be able to then pick out of it an effective list if you want. And also, it's we've spoken about before many times. Neither of us, thankfully, <laughs> um, get our hobby buzz from being like the pinnacle of tournament play. <laughs> Thank goodness, because <laughs> we would do something else <laughs> when they when okay. they asked us on Warhammer TV oh, yeah. what game we wanted to play, and if we were, if we wanted to play. A match player, they get a tournament player in. That's like, no, we don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> so be like, oh, now Ben is. I have no idea what he's doing or why he's doing it. <laughs> yeah, but it's nice to have an army that is. You don't just get spashed all the time because you want to play a game. You want to enjoy it, don't you? Yeah, but at the same time, I've always found with my Oryx that I don't really care what happens. <laughs> I know that sounds really stupid, but I, I've, like I've said before, I, I, I find them a little bit like a wind-up toy. Yeah. You just set them in a line and then press go and then see what happens. And it's the, the outcome is always amusing. You know, if they, even if they get stomped, it, it, there's a there's a narrative to it that I I enjoy. Um, I'm not sure Dan Wozley enjoyed it as my um, more crusher blaster units of his guys, but I, I I enjoy playing them because I don't. I don't invest in them in a kind of winning way. Whereas when I'm playing with other armies, like um, uh, the Stormcast, I get a bit like, oh, I need to win this because, you know, I, I don't know. Because you're the Stormcast. Because I'm the Stormcast. you're fighting yes. for Sigma. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> the Goblins. And the good of all things. The, good, the Greenskins, the fact that they're on the board means that they've won anyway. They get, they get to have <laughs> yeah, a scrap yeah. and they've won. You no, know, that's fair. They've turned up and had a bit of a laugh and that's the end of it. Um, do you know what I've just remembered that I had mm-hmm. that I have that I bought on when it was made to order Grom the Paunch oh did you yeah yeah so I could pop him in that's quite exciting I haven't forgotten about exciting. him actually so are you going to get one of the uh, colossal squigs maybe <laughs> I was going to convert one of the uh, endless spells into a colossal squig as well were you yeah that's cool you know what I mean? The big flying head. Yeah. 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 And there's this squig shooting Gobber. goblin thing. And the and the hag troll. Yeah. Forge Rod is in trouble. I might just buy the lot. But why are Forge Rod in trouble? That that's happiness for them. Well, yeah. You are in trouble. I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell Joe. But I, I no, I'm very for me at the moment. I'm being very selective about what models I pick up to paint because mm-hmm. I'm just killing myself with them. But the goblins were a thing. They had to be done. And I've gone a bit all out. Well, and you did say you would, didn't you? Yeah. You you knew that was what you were going to do. 
One of the things I am interested in, have you ever... I don't know how many of these I'm going to take. I'm going to drag the bag out. I can't get to it. Do you, do you remember the old orcs from um, the Warhammer box set where it's Empire versus Orcs? Yeah, all, like, all very similar pose. Yeah. Kind of weapons held over there. I have probably got a hundred of them. Like, I've got a, a vast number of them that I've inherited from working in Games Workshop. Um, and when they were chucking them all um, out, I picked a whole bunch off of them in a second hand because they were going for dirt cheap. I don't know what to do with them. Well, because it's, back then that was like a simple plastic orc and it was a huge horde army and it looked kind of good having them all running down the battlefield waving their arms over their head. But now there's so much other awesome. I don't know whether to paint. I think of what I'll do. I think I've just answered my own questions. I'll paint enough to fill up what the old box set was and then leave it at that. Yeah, well, I was going to say, firstly, you're probably going to want to do that because you you, you want to do that, don't you, with the box sets? But secondly, there's two likely future small hobbyists in your house. I've got one and getting another one. So yeah. there's going to be ample opportunity to use those models yeah. for learning and showing. And t- because at one some point, dude, we are going to be fully engaged in intro games and painting with, with our, our own yeah. children. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly, can't find the scuttlings in that war scroll building thing. Really? So whether they're a concept that they've sort of thought, maybe not. We'll keep keep that to Shadespire. Mm. Shadespire. Silver, Silver Tower. Tower. Yeah. Anyhow. Oh, I quite like them. Yeah, me too. Well, I just painted them. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. So the other thing we were going to talk about briefly is I've um, I've bought a ticket to go to another one of Big's Age of Sigmar events. Yeah. The same one that I came last in last time that you came up to. <laughs> that you caused 28 mortal wounds with the foot of Gork. I did. I did. You did. <laughs> the foot of Gork is so awesome. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm currently painting flesh hounds because I want to have 15 of them. So my army list at the moment, my plan is to have my bloodthirster, my wrath of corn bloodthirster. So he's a big chunk, 320 points of the, of the army. It's a thousand point army. Mm. Yeah. That's a, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's a big chunk. 30 blood letters, so that's another big chunk. What is it with you and whopping units of blood letters? I like them. <laughs> okay, yeah. So a big unwieldy useless unit of blood letters, yeah. Ah, but I'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Karanak. Yeah. The hound. And two units of five flesh hounds. But then Karanak, if he's within eight inches of an enemy, of the enemy hero that at the start of the game he chooses as his prey, yeah, at the end of the movement phase, can bring in five flesh hounds for free. For free. So that's filthy. It is, but I think that's probably harder than you might think. Within how far? Actually, I think I think I said eight, but I think it's ten inches. Alright, you've got to get right up there. You've got to be in there. That hero mustn't die beforehand. Yeah. Be shielded by loads of stuff so you can't get there. And then when the hounds arrive, they've got to be wholly within 12 inches of Karanak, but outside of 9 inches of the enemy. 
So it's not as straightforward as... That's quite a fiddly place in. Yeah, but... Do they just appear? Do they have to come on from a table edge? No, they just appear. They just appear. But Karanak is awesome on his own. So the reason that I said we'll talk about that in a minute with the blood letters is... While I've been using my blood letters constantly, what i found is I'm A, trying to get them to kill everything at once and spreading them out, <laughs> which is just not working. Uh, and B, I've been... Whinging about the length of their swords. Yeah, I do that all the time. Anyway. <laughs> you convinced me on the last podcast, it's fine. So, um, B, I've been like, I've got to get into combat and going first and just running across the board, even though it doesn't get me where I want to be because yeah. I can't reach or I can yeah. only just reach and it's not as well positioned. Yeah. So I've changed the way I, I approach that. And, um, and also that Wrath of Corn Bloodthirster is just a game changer. Yeah. Because the ability to run and charge is just just phenomenal for positioning. Yeah. Um he's also very powerful in in himself. So yeah, I'm I'm good about it. I'm quite excited actually because Are you breaking down that thirty into separate units or are you just no, they'll one field them as one because you get you get a points reduction. So yeah, I yeah, couldn't yeah, afford to do it yeah, yeah. if I did it that way. But I'm quite excited because Again, I'm picking an army where I haven't got everything painted yet, but providing I get the hounds done, which my intention is to paint one unit this month, mm-hmm. um, at the beginning of this month, sorry, because it's now February, isn't it? So I, they should be done in the next couple of days. Paint another unit at the sort of midpoint. So I'll paint hounds, then I'm going to paint something else, then I'm going to paint some hounds, yeah. something else, and some more hounds. Yeah. And obviously Karen out. Um, but providing I can get that done, I'm going to go to the tournament with the list that I have written and thought about tactically. So I know, like, we always laugh, don't we? Because I go to these tournaments and I like, rubbish and stuff. But I, you write the list the it, night before, so you kind uh, of yeah, have it and coming. I write it out of the stuff I've got. Yeah. Whereas you've created it, this. List. This is something I'm going to have created, and it's yeah. the same. That's what, like, I really enjoy using my corn army for for AOS now because it's it's. It's not like top tier crazy. Um, and I'm not a fantastic general by any means, but it's the list I want to take, mm. which makes a big difference. And it's difficult sometimes to marry it up because actually the list you want to take might not be the models you want to paint. Which is the opposite way of how I do that. I always paint the models. I yeah. Want yeah. To paint exactly. And but, and that's, and I do that as well. Yeah. But then I get frustrated when I get onto the table. And the game isn't as enjoyable. Yeah. I think I talked about it a lot before about like maneuverability. I like an army that can move around because I like to be able to have options and choices of what I want to do on the gaming board, which is why I'm going to be painting bikers and, and, um, hell drakes for my corn army. So yeah, I'm, I am excited to go. Dan's going. Tom's hopefully going. Ben base is going. Um, and I really hope I don't come last. We'll find out. It's the 10th, 9th, 10th, 10th of March. Yeah. No, 9th of March. Um, and, uh, so yeah. I'm not going. No. Because you're going away. I'm going away. Do some painting. I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. I know. But I think that's a great cliffhanger to leave them for the next every day. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Why are we whispering? So they don't, yeah. Okay, okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, 
So, that's Age oh, of Sigma, isn't oh, it? Oh. No. Oh. Mordheim. What about Mordheim? I am going to play some Mordheim. No. Right. Have you actually decided I'm going to play some Mordheim because you've you know, you've got the rule book, you've been reading it, you've been looking at stuff online, or did you just see some smashed up foreground builders today and had a Mordheim moment? The first option. Really? Yeah, absolutely. So Chris is really excited about Mordheim. Oh, if Chris is involved. And has yeah, been talking yeah. about it over the last few weeks. Yeah. Right? And then I was looking at my foreground buildings and talking to them, and I'm like, oh, yeah, they're perfect, but we could do with some ruined ones. Yeah. And then we could do with some crates and things to climb over. Yeah, yeah. And this was a few weeks ago. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to Port and Colonel Bills will be there. And he always sells some foreground. What? So you're telling me that was planned today? Absolutely. My intention was to go to his stall and get some foreground stuff. Okay. Um, But then I sort of, when I saw it, I saw, because it was quite expensive, I sort of yeah. felt like, oh, I'm not fully doing it at the moment. But then I had to go back because mm. I needed the, the, the loo. <laughs> I walked past and I had a look. And I said to him, look, can you do me this, this and this for this price? And he did some calculating and he offered a counter a price. And I was like, yeah, but he might have that. So I've got that now. <laughs> so, um, and we've got all the PDFs for Mordheim because there's a, there's, if you just search Mordheim PDF. Mm-hmm. Every rule ever written relating to Mordheim in one place, which is really cool. Mm. That's one of the nice things about a game that's completely community supported at the moment. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so we're going to do some Mordheim. I don't know how that's going to go and when that's it's going to cool. even start, but that is the plan. We are doing it on round bases though. Yeah. Why not? Absolutely. Yeah. Why not? I, um, I actually picked up. This is a 40k thing, but I picked up Shadow Wars. I'm against Shadow Wars. Oh, yeah. Because I actually had, very much what we just said, I had a little thing it was in Bubs for Tenor. And I thought, do you know what the cool thing about that is? It's never going to change. It is a set of rules. Yeah. That is never going to, whereas things like Kill Team have already now got commanders and arena and there will be plenty more. Um, so what turns out to be like a one book wonder ends up being a 15 book wonder, but Armageddon will never change. No. So that's why I picked that. So I'm doing Undead. Using which models? Uh, I've, I've already got and painted the Necromancer model, the plastic Necromancer. When did, when did you paint that? About two years ago when this happened the last time. <laughs> <laughs> and three ghouls. Yeah. Painted. Yeah. Based. You, why don't you use the, um, Shade Spire skeletons? Because. I want to use the undead warband, yeah. which is led by a vampire, because I've got the old vampire with the big wing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which yeah, I yeah. love. Yeah, yeah. But that's a nice model. It's though, lovely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I got him in metal as is well. Is he still? Is he not out anymore? I don't it? know. He might be. I don't know. I'll have to look it up. He's a fan um, model. But in that warband, you can't have skeletons. Oh, right. It has zombies, and the Games Workshop zombies. Oh crap! No, they are lacking. They are crap. <laughs> so, so, but there was a Kickstarter not long ago, 
which we spoke about, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you yeah. sent me the stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. didn't you? And, the, and it had some villagers, which yeah. is perfect. Yeah. And then it had zombie versions yeah, yeah. of the villagers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just, I'm just going to get some of them. Oh, yes. Because they're going to be ace. And then we're going to have villagers as well. And, and it's going to grow into something awesome. And I've always liked the idea. Because originally the concept was when we were going to, because we were going to do frost grave. That's what we were going to do. They've got some nice, like, peasant, you know, infantry models mm-hmm. and um so we were going to do that but then we watched frost frost grave being played mm-hmm. on youtube and it looked really boring so i haven't tried it so if you do play frost grave and it's great you know great i'm glad um and if you're thinking of picking it up look at it for yourselves but um we didn't think it was much cop so we thought we'd do more time mm-hmm. and the idea was going to be it was sort of this city in like this ruined city in like a bubble realm. So, you know, like all the realms of magic mm. have created a realm. Yeah. Well, there was ice magic, wasn't there? Yeah. So we had this idea of like an ice magic. Yeah. Bubble sitting outside of things because, uh, because it was Frostgrave was the idea. Yeah, came yeah, yeah. from. And so all my models are based up snow. And so everything's going to be snow. Yeah. And I'm going to get a three by three snow mat at some point. Not yeah. yet. Cause I've got the big room still. I don't need it. Um, and, with the foreground buildings, I'm going to like weather them up slightly with a bit of airbrush work and maybe a bit of snow on the roofs and stuff yeah. and um, do it like that. Awesome. So I have got like a real idea buzzing for it between Chris and I. Yeah. I, I, that's kind of, I've always fancied Mordheim, but I really like the idea of the progression games. Like I really enjoyed when we, when, when I was doing um, Middle Earth Battle Companies. Yeah. That bit where you roll to see what you get is really exciting. Yeah. But I do like, you might be able to do this in all time, I don't know. But I do like in that, that you can adjust the roll with, by spending yeah. renown because it's nice to have a little bit of control. I, I always find with things like Necromunda, Mordheim, that my characters just die. <laughs> Last time I played Mordheim was on the computer on the PlayStation 4, and my main character ended up being one armed. Excellent. Just lost an arm. It's funny. And I won that game. Like, I, I significantly won that game. He was the only one that died. He'd wiped out like 15 people. We bossed it. And then he lost an arm and became absolutely hopeless. Nice. Thanks for that. So I had this one armed dude running around with a sword. It's funny because, um, when we were doing Lord of the Rings, Tom's elf captain in his first game lost his arm. Did he? <laughs> How do you model that? <laughs> well, I think he just said it was like... Elf magic heals... heals yeah, that's probably arm what he did. I don't think we worried about the modelling side of it. No. Right. Shall we move on to um, the community now, Square? I think so. we shall. Glorious community. Thanks for that. My ear hurts now. Well, they are awesome. They are absolutely awesome. Our, our community is awesome. So, um, as normal, we will do some shout outs from Instagram and then some shout outs from the two piece hobby group. Yep. Well, but actually, not as normal, slightly different. 
instead of the calendar this week, which will still be updated by my lovely assistant. Yeah. Um, we are going to put that term over to uh, an interview because we had a great chance to speak to John Ascombe from Roll Dice Gaming, who's putting on uh, a hobby expo up in Bristol. So I'm not going to talk too much about that now because we, we have got an interview with that, with um, that stuff in it shortly. So, Ben, Instagram. Yeah, so the first one, we've actually posted a post about this, but um, we do our shout-outs on here as well, so some people don't follow us online. Rod's Mods, um, you used to work with this or know this chap, didn't you? Yeah, so Rod is um, Games Workshop Manager in Southampton. So when I was running Truro, and a little bit for Bath, I think, is before the restructure, I was part of the cluster of stores, the region yeah. that um, that Southampton was in. So I yeah. know Rod through that, and he's great, really cool. In fact, I saw him last when I went to a heresy event in Southampton. Excellent, And yeah. we walked down to the store. Yeah, brilliant. Really good guy. Um, but what I like about this, this Instagram account is it's very much a how to very simply paint models. Yep. Um, and it's it's using a lot of the time to, for a lot of stuff. Um, Primaris... And it's showing you how to achieve different colours. Uh, effectively, I really like it because it's, it's someone who's putting effort into an account to better the other people that read it. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is awesome because, you know, we have a, a, an, um, an amazing opportunity with the internet to improve each other and create just awesome hobby everywhere we look. Um, and we all want to play games against people with lush painted armies. So that first 20 minutes is, oh, mate, oh, yeah, look at that. And you get those moments when you sat playing and watching a Raven Guard Dreadnought striding towards your iron snakes, and all you can think of is, I love it. Yeah. Not, he's just about to kill me. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> that just looks gorgeous. Um, so, the, yeah, Rod's Mods um, is the next one. And you're just going to have to give me a second now because I'm, I'm not going to do my next one on Instagram. I'm oh. going to do something different this time. Um, I'm going to go to YouTube um, because uh-huh. there's a couple of people I'd like to talk about. So the first one is, I'm sure a lot of people already follow or know, but Miniarch, uh, yeah. Miniarchal, um, I've been watching a lot of his videos recently, um, recapping some of the ones he's done on blending, um, and just he's just done a few new ones on blending. He's did, he did one with a soldering crew. Not so long ago. Um, I really like his stuff, mainly because he's got a great sense of humour and I enjoy people who don't take themselves too seriously. Um, and I, as tuition videos, I think they're really, really good. But one of the things I've been looking at, as Miniarchal, um, is um, scenery building. Yeah. And there is a chap, and I'm just going to have to give me one second while I, while I pull him out because. Uh, it's going to take me just a sec. I'm not as quick getting around. Um, YouTube as I am. Oh, where is he? It's inevitably like the one that you take the longest get to. Maybe it's not. Unfortunately, on our YouTube account, you have to scroll past masses and masses of trains and baby shark. And various other things. That's because you use our YouTube account for your entertaining your child. 
Yes. Or, or you. <laughs> I don't, I'm not really sure. What, you know. I don't know why either, really, because when I log it, when I put the telly on, because of the Apple telly, it asks me who's watching my account or, or our account. And I always pick our account. I think it's just because I think it's funny. <laughs> I had just countless of, of um, in the night garden things for like ages. Yeah, but to be fair, in the night garden is the next sort of world to be turned into a war game. So, okay, there's no response to that that can even <laughs> those hahus, proper titans. All my days. Have you found it yet? Because the people are waiting, man. <laughs> right, I found it. Luke's APS. Right. Not only does this guy do really excellent videos on how to do simple stuff, um, he does really excellent videos on how to do complicated stuff. Um, but and, and this is, I suppose, a sort of plug. He's a terrain builder as his job. He makes terrain for people as a commission, um, and. And so he makes a, a set of products that he wants for his stuff and then sells them. Um, so he does a whole range of flocks and, oh. and grasses and, um, uh, and clump foliage and, and he tells you how he uses them and why he's designed them and what and he's using other products. And I have always flocked like a wargamer. Sounds ridiculous. I know it sounds ridiculous, but, I have never flocked like a terrain maker. And when I saw him using different colours and lengths of static grass, I, I nearly squeed with excitement because <laughs> it created this board. And, it, okay, it would probably not work as a, as a wargaming board, but as, say, like a Lord of the Rings mini table or like a diorama to put your models on, it, oh, it's fabulous. And But what he's really good at is saying when something is suitable, or I found in the videos I've watched of him, is saying when something is suitable for what it's suitable for. So he made it and went, this wouldn't be very good for wargaming. This is what I would do for wargaming. I was like, oh, yes, yes. Brilliant. So absolutely superb. I spent a significant amount of my time <laughs> watching his videos the other day. That um, sounds good, because I've been looking for... So I, when I'm hobbying... I always have something on. Yeah. And and at the moment, it's been Sherlock. Yeah. Yeah. Before that, it was Sex Education. <laughs> the, the Netflix series, <laughs> I should say. <laughs> um, and at some point, it was Discovery, uh, Star Trek Discovery. I've got a new episode of that to watch. Yeah. Well, I haven't watched any of the new one yet, so that's coming. Um, but, but I do keep thinking to myself... I want to watch videos that teach me something. So I watched a lot of tank chats recently from Bovington. Um, but, and I was watching. I saw um, this tanks all over our YouTube. That's yeah, why yeah, there's okay, tanks. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and I did watch some of Kenny Boucher from Next Level Painting as well. Cause he had some cool stuff and he made me laugh a lot. Yeah. If, do you know what? Kenny Boucher, right? I'll tell you what really irritates me about him is how he abuses his airbrush. Like, I've never seen anyone just, and it works perfectly. I do the slightest thing wrong with mine. It's like, no, I'm not working. It's like a printer. Mine is like a printer. I press print. No, I don't want to print. <laughs> I, that thing is not a cheap airbrush. And I go to use it and say, I'm going to splutter now. I'm not going to give you a reason. There's nothing wrong with me. 
I wasn't doing it five minutes ago with the same paint, but now I'm going to splutter because I'm just hate you. Good. Well, that's good to know. So, yeah, it's good to hear about some videos I can watch <laughs> on YouTube. My mini rant on airbrushing. Yeah. And Kenny Boucher makes it look easy. Yeah. So, and he's funny to listen to. Yes, he's very funny to listen to. <laughs> so, yeah, do it. He's really good. Luke's yeah. APS. Um, absolutely brilliant. Really enjoyed it. Good. And they're not long either, which is good because you don't want to... You don't want to spend like two hours watching how to do something. It's the sort of 10 to 20 minutes I found. And it's like, bosh, done. That's how you do it. So I, you know, I, I watched one of his videos and I was like, oh, so how do you do that? Scroll through. Oh, he's got a video on how to do that. Do yeah. That. Yeah. And uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. So I, l- I was lost there for hours. Good. Hours and hours. I have one last person to shout out because. I know we shouted about at Hobby Desk, but a lot of people come to this point to um, to just listen to the community, and that, that's perfectly fine. That's why we sort of section these things out. Um, Mike Ingram from Mezgeik, I uh, subscribed to him on um, Patreon, and I have been watching his videos and loved every minute of it. Um, absolutely excellent tuition videos. Really feels like you're sitting down and learning how to paint with a dude in Games Workshop. You know, it's it's really good. Um, has helped me hone my OSL immensely in the last couple of weeks. Um, I feel like I've leveled up, like I've gone to one, a Morrowind or Skyrim trainer and given him money <laughs> and, yeah, give me skills. I can't be bothered to myself. So I genuinely feel like I've read a skill manual and, and gained like multiple layers on a few things, levels on a few things. So yeah, well worth having a look at. Uh, Mezgai or Mike Ingram. Excellent. My turn. So I have to shout this out. Um, it is stunning and the moment I saw it I was like I'm shouting that out so I'm gonna do my I do my shout outs from the two-piece hobby forum so um, the hobby forum is a group that we created um, alongside the Facebook page so people could interact and we are loving it and seeing so much and I'm even I just saw some stuff then and I was like I haven't commented on that and it's been up for seven hours because I hadn't seen it because there's loads of stuff coming Um, so Tim Barkley, and I hope I've pronounced that right, and I'm sorry if I haven't. Um, he's written, Hey everyone, long time listener, first time poster. Well, I am flipping glad you posted, my friend, because this <laughs> is stunning. So this is his mixed order army. Yeah. Silver Neff and Bretonian. Yeah. Right. And talk about embracing Age of Sigmar with what you love, which was for him, Silver Neff. This is a Lady of the Lake theme. Yeah. Now, have you looked at this? I have, and I got really jealous of all of the Bretonian models. So uh, I was looking at it initially, and I thought, this is flipping wonderful. Look at all those greens. That works. Then I saw this, yeah. which is like the the sort of green knight guy with the... I don't know where that horse is from. Like, that, ethereal horse that he's from, leaping um, through. That's a mixture of a couple of horses, but that's that's the horse from... From the night, night haunts. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So that that's really nice. I love all the flo- foliage and stuff on the dryads, and I was looking at those and the bases, and I was like, oh, these are wonderful, and the archers wonderful. Really like this guy on yeah. this this flying Pegasus dude, and and so I'm like, yeah, oh, this is lovely. This is lovely. This is lovely. Love these sinister looking scythe. Those skulls are from the skulls kit. They are, yeah. So he's, he's put one of the, the skulls from on the skulls the kit Hunters. on the Kernoff Hunters. He's done yeah. a few of them. Yeah. 
So, so he by as this point, of skulls as you do, by the look of it. Yeah. So by this point, I'm I'm pretty excited, and then this happened. He's got a Lariel, right, on a water beetle. Yeah. Yeah. With the sword in the lake, inside yeah. the water. Tim, that is flipping amazing, mate. I just love it. So, um, in case. Anybody hasn't realised, I really like this. <laughs> Thank you so much, so, so much for sharing it. Um, it, it is wonderful and, and what a job. And I'd love to know. I'm sure you're probably just thinking, oh, goodness me, project done. But I'd love to know what you're doing next, mate, because it's really good. So thank you so much for taking the time to share, um, to share that. And, um, of course, there's loads of other good stuff on there as well. Um, now I've used up all my excitement on the water beetle. Um, in particular, and I'm just scrolling up to find it because I thought it was very cool, is Rob Davis. So, um, this is one of the Godsworn Hunt yeah, models. Yeah, yeah. I just really like it. I think that the yellow works really well. Yeah, I just saw that and thought, thought of doing the yellow. Yeah. I, I really think that's very, very nice, mate. So, oh, look at the eyes as well. They're really good, aren't they? Like, glowing. Yeah. Yeah, they are very good. Yeah, yeah. very nice. Yeah, so, um, really, really good stuff. So, thank you to both of you guys. Um, we are, so, talking about the hobby forum. So, we've now closed for entries on the first month, January. Um, painting competition for the painting competition for arcane power so 13 entries on there thank you very very much i have put up a post and put it in the announcements for people to use in their likes to vote on a winner and we'll announce that in episode 39 that's a bragging rights win monthly yeah yeah monthly's bragging rights um to be announced is getting something else cool um and then this month's is grime so that's open now. Um, so anything you like, uh, I'll be posting up some bits. I was going to do my Necromunda terrain, which I think is still where I'm going to go with that. We want to see weathering. Weathering. We see... Weathering is what we're going yeah. for. Um, we did do... Or even just a the... nicely painted grimy thing, like yeah. Nurgle or something like that. But yeah. it can be any any model, any range. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Don't interrupt. just blow your nose into a tissue and take a photo. That's not what we're looking for. No, really, it's just it? Nurgle, isn't it? That's, that's just weird. Um, but we did do some chats about weathering on some past episodes. So yeah. if you check out the show notes, um, and you'll be able to pick those out if you want to listen to those just in the hobby desk. You don't have to listen to the whole thing. Um, so that's grime. And then March will be something else that I have not decided yet. Really cool idea from Dickie Pierce, who's also in the hobby forum. Yeah. Um, doing like a law writing competition. Oh, I like that. Yeah. He did say about doing it for March's competition, but I think it would be nice to carry on the painting one each month, but also incorporate this in at some point. Short story competition. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that was really cool. Yeah, I like that. So, yeah. Um, I think we could create like a database of excellent stories. Yeah. So if you haven't joined already, um, please do. Uh, doesn't matter if you just want to join to start with to have a look, but, you know, all the guys interacting on there, thank you so much. Yeah, really good too. So before we before we move on to the interview, let's just dedicate a few minutes to Paul because we were there today. We were. Um, once again, it's very good. Packed out with different. One of the things I love about Paul is you go in and the it's a whole hall filled with different games. 
Yeah. And every table is different. Yeah. So there was ships, there was a whopping Lord of the Rings game, like massive, vast, um, sort of the size that you'd have expected at Games Day in years old. Um, <laughs> there was uh, Star Wars Legion. Mm-hmm. Looked quite nice on the table. It's quite a big scale, really, when you actually see it out in gaming. Um, there was an Aliens versus Predator game. They'd written the rules for themselves, but you were using the Predator miniatures. That was quite, oh, yeah. that was quite interesting. A Vietnam game with a swooping aeroplane. Loads, loads of stuff. Really awesome. Um, Resident Evil board game being played and Outlands being played. Um, <laughs> so yeah, really cool event. Um, picked up a few things in the bringing by. Uh, if if you watch out for it next year, because we'll go. Well, it would have been. I'm recording now and assuming people are hearing it, but <laughs> yeah. it's on tomorrow as well. So, um, awesome. Well done, guys. And, and now I think we'll hand over to ourselves past. Yeah. We've got to talk to John about, um, about an upcoming event. So we'll hand over to him. We're here with John Ascombe, who is one of the organisers for a rather exciting new venture up in Bristol called Roll Dice, and he's going to tell us all about it. Hi, John. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. Very good indeed. So, um, I don't know. Would you want to give me my hobby background? Give me yeah, a bit I think of legitimacy? Yeah, absolutely. Who do you think you are, John, <laughs> running this awesome event? Who do I think I am? Well, I'm hoping to prove that I'm somebody, but I could end up being nobody, so let's, uh, let's see how it goes. Um, I, am, uh, I, I started uh, my kind of adventures in sort of tabletop gaming and war gaming and the like in 1996 I think I was the classic I was introduced to it by a friend from school whose brother had uh, kind of come across a games workshop that was in our town and um, just found it in the back yeah pretty, the it kind of was <laughs> so uh, like so I grew up in St Albans I think the games workshop St Albans is something like the third oldest GW, it's right, yeah. and it was certainly, I think it's the oldest that's, that's in its kind of current location. So it's been in this kind of sort of tucked away little precinct in a sort of tucked away part of a tucked away town for quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I had a friend of mine at school and we kind of, you know, I went to his house and his brother was painting some uh, some space marines and I was just kind of, that, like, I was kind of hooked after that. And I remember I kind of bullied my mum into taking me to this place and I think like most parents, she was... Um, in shock. Oh yeah, shock <laughs> or I don't know. You know, I think she was. There was definitely that sense of she was happy for me doing something that wasn't. You know, sat around inside, but perhaps it wasn't what they wanted me to be doing. But anyway, I got, I was bought a uh, a box of the original kind of five monopose marines and the paint set, and that was kind of it. And I painted them terribly. Did you? Dunk one of them in the. No, 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 I never did. But I never, I never undercoated them, so they were always really streaky. I seem to remember. That's exactly the same set that I started with, and I, I, yeah. I remember as well. (laughs) On the back of the, I remember the one thing I do remember is I was on the back of the box, and they had the, you know, you had the kind of painting guides of the paints that you could utilize on there, and these are these are how they're painted, and one of them was just being lightning blue. I was like, like, even at the time, I was like, well, this there's no relevance to what's on the back of the box. And it was only about five or six years later, it was, you know, it was ultramarine blue, it's been highlighted lightning blue, yeah, but yeah. they gave you lightning blue in the paint set and nothing else. So. The, the original heavy metal guides, especially by Mike McPhee, undercoat, base coat, some highlighting perfect. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah so four four stages is not enough, yeah, Mike. No. <laughs> no, I do remember that. I, I, I wholeheartedly remember that. I also remember, that, you know, highlighting the... Uh, 
obviously green flock, Goblin Green Base, and highlighting it with sunburst yellow. That I was, never bought them. I just I flocked it and left it. Uh, I, I was always, um, I was always a sort of uh, gravel and static grass man. That was my jam. Um, so, and that kind of just went from there, really. I, uh, I played kind of all through my kind of like early teens and into my kind of late teens. I had a brief spell, much like yourselves, working for Games Workshop as well, which was uh, an interesting experience, um, but it didn't last um, for one reason or another. But I had some, I had some kind of good times and... It's a tough job. It, retail well, is a tough job. It kind of is, and it kind of is. At, at that time, I was, you know, this was this was pre sort of single manager statuses mm-hmm. in most of the stores, and we had I think five or six staff. Oh, glory days! Yes, yeah, so we, we, <laughs> we had a small shop. We had a manager, two two and a half full timers, and then three like kind of key staff. I think they yeah. called them key timers. Yeah. Key timers, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and it was it was really good fun. And um, but I, I can kind of see how it, you know. A few of us left, of I think, because there was this sort of shift to employing six members of staff in a shop that probably doesn't cover the six members of staff wages, let alone any profit for the company. Yeah, kind of made a bit of sense. And um, I kind of, I think, I kind of, I don't know if I kind of grew out of it. Well, I definitely didn't grow out of it because I've grown immediately back into it. But um, there was that classic period of time in kind of my early twenties where I was out discovering life and you know figuring out what I wanted to do. And I kind of moved away from the hobby, and then I was like reintroduced. Five or six years ago, when the original Heresy books kind of came out, I uh, I was um, I got given a Kindle for Christmas, and I uh, it was like I think Horace Rising was one of the freebie books, and I was just like, oh, I hadn't really kind of thought about anything GW related for for such a long time, and you know by this point I'd you know had my business and I was kind of you know had a house and a few spare pennies, a few spare pennies, yeah, yeah exactly, and. Um, and I kind of started reading and that was that was it. I was kind of hooked again after that. And for the last sort of five years, it's been my kind of really, my sort of spare time has been sort of devoted to it. Um, I moved from sort of, you know, just north of London to the southwest a year or so ago. And um, and you thought, what we need here is a massive event. I, well, it's, it's kind of that. What I was most shocked by was I kind of thought at the time I was playing in a big club in, in um, kind of East London called Hate, which... I'm sure some of your listeners will be aware yeah, of. Yeah, I've heard It's a really kind of really thriving club, and you know we were it's got you know a thousand members, and we were easily getting 60, 70 people every week, and it was kind of. And I thought, I was kind of thought I'm really going to miss this, and actually, when I moved, I discovered that there was even more of a kind of a thriving hobby community than I had ever imagined, and it was, it was kind of so. Well, I was kind of really shocked, you know, immediately I was, I was playing with new clubs and new people and making, like, you know, making kind of new friends and everyone was kind of, you know, the classic, just, um, united by their kind of like love of the hobby, really. And by this point, I'd started playing other game systems and other games and doing some RPGs and, um, kind of taking a bit more kind of interest in, kind of, you know, in, in not just the kind of the Warhammer side of things, but, um, I kind of did think that, there was going to be, you know, there was sort of, there was no, I, you know, I like going to the kind of big shows and mm. seeing seeing the kind of new stuff, the stuff I'm not used to seeing, all the kind of third party producers and having a weekend away with my mates and that sort of thing. And we did, you know, the trips to Warhammer World and, the, you know, the kind of weekend tournaments, but that was kind of it really. And um, I started sort of thinking to to myself that, you know, perhaps there there should be sort of some, some sort of, sort of bigger event really. Um, I mean, we're, you know, for a bit of a backstory, we're here at kind of a more kind of like regional event today, and it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, it's a 
you know, there's a, there's a huge number of sort of you know different demographics here playing yeah, a load of different yeah. games and it's it's kind of really there's um, no two same games next to each other no 100 percent. and I, I know everyone is clearly having a great time and kind of really enjoying themselves and there's lots of kind of camaraderie and that sort of thing and mm. my um uh my other half her background is in like huge like, big kind of multinational exhibitions and she uh, sort of started a sort of virgin events business a couple of years ago and um, we, in our previous kind of business life, we were putting on kind of events to help sort of promote our promote our business. And a lot of this was kind of more about kind of community engagement um, and sort of bringing people together with a mutual love of, in this case, cycling. Um, and they were always kind of quite successful. And we kind of had this sort of idea sort of last autumn that perhaps we should look at kind of organising, you know, I've been to Salute a number of times. I've even worked at Salute when I was working for GW and that was a really, really great experience. And, you know, I've been to sort of UK Games Expo and, and sort of a lot of regional shows and seen that kind of, uh, the kind of positivity it can kind of have on the kind of local hobby community because it gives something to, for sort of people to focus on. Um, you know, there's a case of, I want to get, uh, you know, the number of times you've hit a painting deadline, not because you want to, because you think, Christ, I've got a, got a tournament coming up in yeah. six weeks and all yeah. I've got is like a, a pile of bare plastic sprues next to me um, or I've got a, a shopping cart on Forge World that's full of items I've not even yet purchased and these things need to be on a tabletop in three and a half weeks <laughs> it's like a massive injection of excitement and yeah energy and you yeah. kind of kind of really and um, but also as well like, you know, I was thinking to myself like you know I live in Cornwall now and if I want to go to a show in London I've got to drive for five and a half hours and really kind of think about it, it's a, it's a I've got a planet and going so, on the train for these things isn't easy when you've got to take your army with you. And no, especially when you've got to get on the uh, the Newquay branch line as well. Because only about <laughs> three trains a week, so you've really got to think long and hard about <laughs> about how how and when you're going to yeah. do it. Um, and it can end up costing a fortune. Um, so we we kind of had this idea that wouldn't it be great to put on a, a big kind of convention? And we kind of looked and, and like Bristol was the the clear and obvious place to do it it's nice and easy accessible for a for kind of a, you know, a huge part of the country even if you are coming from London you're only a couple of hours drive away but also you know coming over the bridge from sort of you know from south and mid Wales it's not too far and coming from the sticks where we are as well it's it's kind of relatively easy mm. you can still get it from the Midlands kind of nice and easily and and it kind of just sort of spiraled from there really and I spoke to you guys a little bit off, off mic earlier but the thing that was so noticeable from the absolute offset is when we were sort of just kind of gauging the the response before we kind of you know because it, it costs time and effort even just to kind of you know, investigate the idea yeah um people were just like thinking oh that's a great idea yeah. that's all i kept hearing was yeah bristol brilliant what a great idea so and then it became a you know we kind of thought to ourselves you know there's actual there's a real appetite for this so let's let's try and make this happen and that was this was in about sort of October last year and and it's kind of just gone from there really we've we secured a really really good venue like I think the venue is the thing that ultimately will will kind of help help make make the the, the, the event as, as good as we, we want it to be um, it's going to be based at uh, Bristol City FC's Ashton Gate Stadium which I don't know if any of you are football or rugby or music fans it's kind of a big kind of concert venue and used for uh, kind of lots of sort of sporting events but when it was refurbished a couple of years ago, they sort of built these huge exhibition concourse underneath the stands and it's 
like like no other kind of exhibition venue, mainly because the floor isn't covered in like, you know, 400 layers of like carpet adhesive, like most <laughs> exhibition venues are. Um, but it's kind of really bright and open and airy. And it, yes, we're holding it in the middle of summer, but it's air conditioned. And um, because let's be honest, there's one thing that we know about going to any wargaming or miniatures or gets any hot. kind of event. It gets hot. Yeah. You know, it does get hot. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of booked we booked the venue and then we were kind of committed by that point, really. So we really had to, to think about, you know, what we were going to do and what we were going to give, kind of what the USP of the event was going to be. And and really what we wanted to do was put on a, a kind of a a show that can kind of appeal to everybody, really. You know, if you're a, a miniatures gamer, we, we want you to kind of come and see some stuff that you, you really enjoy, but also maybe have a go at something a little bit different. So. Yeah. The exhibitors we're kind of, you know, we've currently got on board and that's being added to on a pretty much daily basis at the moment. It is a, a broad swathe. You know, there are going to be some, some, some board games there. There's going to be some CCGs, RPGs, you know, miniature stuff and, and kind of wargaming as well. I think that the wargaming aspect is, is kind of currently going to be a little bit at the forefront, but that's because of kind of the other stuff we've kind of got going on as well. So alongside the, the kind of exhibition aspect, we've got a big, um, uh, sort of, you call it like organised play, but really it's a kind of a tournament system. So yep, we've got yeah. a 40k tournament, an AOS tournament, we've got a small-ish 30k narrative event, yep. a Blood Bowl event, an Infinity event, and and some others that we're kind of still to sort of be announced once we um, once we kind of get an idea of um, what the kind of organisers uh, requirements are and where we're going to basically where we're going to put everybody. Um, I think the thing that we figured out early enough was we're really confident we can put on a great event as a kind of an overall kind of umbrella but can we put on a great 40k tournament within that on our own probably not so we found some some excellent partners I'm sure a lot of your listeners will be familiar with Bristol Independent Gaming or Big as otherwise known as and um, and the guys from there are, are going to be running the, the tournament aspects of it because I mean they've got that's what they do, you know. Yeah, I've yeah. been to their venue, you'll know it's it's um it's a little shop tacked onto a massive kind of, you know, sort of warehouse. Warehouse <laughs> essentially. <laughs> warehouse full of tables, got really good quality terrain. Um and you know that they're putting on an event for some game system every weekend for you know fifty-two weekends of the year pretty much. So it's it's kind of in their in their DNA of their entire operation. So I think that uh, you know they they're no better place than anybody to to kind of help help deliver that, um, I think one of the most exciting things is uh, very very early we um, I got in touch with a, a kind of a club mate of mine who again I know a lot of people will be familiar with a guy called Henry Steele who uh, along with sort of you know celebrity painter Andy Wardle runs up a group I, I don't know Andy Wardle yeah. <laughs> never heard of them yeah run a, run a run a group called Carl Paint which you know they are kind of travelling the world and kind of you know teaching us all the uh, the virtues of, of how to how to hobby better. Um, and they're going to be uh, kind of looking after a, a massive kind of raft of um, we kind of cast it as kind of like hobby kind of like hobby hobby classes so we're going to have a big painting competition which um, Andy and uh, multiple Slice or winner Richard Gray are going to be judging and kind of critiquing so um, I actually picked be, off the floor when you told me that. Yeah. <laughs> so that that'll be kind of quite quite a uh, kind of quite cool, really. Um, but they're also going to be running some kind of free to attend, kind of like big sort of like paintings sort of and hobby seminars over the weekend, and some kind of smaller, more intimate, kind of paid for kind of classes as well. So you'll be able to um, 
to come come along, bring some miniatures, learn something, have your work kind of critiqued by really some of the some of the best in the business, having some some kind of good prizes and stuff on offer. Um, and we just kind of want everyone to kind of come and have a really like a really good time. That's what it's all about. It's mm-hmm. about kind of bringing bringing people together. We're, we're definitely kind of pitching it as a it's a it's a community event. You know? Yeah, we we yeah. know that. If you've ever, if you ever rolled some dice, regardless of what it's for, you're kind of part of this, you know, really kind of exciting and diverse community. And we want people to be in a position where they can kind of come and have a really just a good, a good time. It's a weekend in a super place. Like Bristol's a fantastic, a fantastic city. You know, we, we all know that. And it's, um, it's got it's some a, great people that live it's, there. It's got some great people that live there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And, um, and it's also got some, some kind of, you know, some kind of fantastic, kind of very diverse kind of hobbyists as well. You know, even just the people that I've been speaking to in terms of offering kind of help and support for the event. It's, it's incredible the amount of, of kind of feedback that we, we've had. Um, we've, we've also got, um, the kind of the evening venues. So the, the venue itself has a couple of kind of evening or, you know, it's got a, uh, it's got a pizzeria and a big bar. Sorry, what? Sorry, it's got a pizzeria. A pizzeria. Pizza. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. It's got to serve pizza in case, uh, in case you're not aware. And um, and also an area where they serve beers uh, called a bar. Um, and, <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa! And we've booked those. It's quite progressive. Yeah, it's it is quite. It's definitely progressive. I'm sure it's. Uh, I don't know the extent of the craft uh, craft ales that will be on offer, but I'm sure there will be some. Oh, and. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that went so well last time. <laughs> so, and we we booked those exclusively like for the Saturday night. So basically, the idea is that you know we shut the doors to the to the kind of the exhibition aspect at about six o'clock, and people can just kind of keep on you know drinking and gaming all the way through. They've got some kind of lounges that we've got got access to as well. So I've just actually, I've had a look. So if people are interested, if you go on the Ashton Gate Studio uh, Stadium. .co.uk yeah um, you can have a look through all the rooms and they look flipping amazing yeah <laughs> they look really we, good we've kind of got the run of the place like exclusively for the entire weekend and it's going to be I think that you know we want to make it a really kind of you know a weekend where you can kind of just I don't think escapism is necessarily the right word but kind of immersion really you can kind of come in and spend your, your weekend with you know thousands of like-minded folk and, and kind of you know Make some, make some new friends and, you know, play some new games and buy some new stuff and kind of see some, just kind of really, yeah, kind of get involved really. Um, I'm not kind of, I've got so much to say on it that I'm just really, I'm kind of not sure what I've covered and, and what I haven't. So I think, uh, I think at this point, it's really, it's a good place to some kind of summarize. Yeah. It's, a, it's an awesome venue. We've it's, had a look at it. It looks ace. Yeah. And it, the kind of linchpin of it is, number of wargaming tournaments surrounded by exhibitors and an awesome painting hobby kind of section yeah pretty much I mean that's that's definitely the kind of crux of it really I mean there's lots of other things that will be kind of going on kind of around the event I mean it's it's um, we're kind of still talking to a lot of people who've presented ideas of stuff they want to be doing over the weekend and we, we really don't want to say no to anybody um, you know, if someone's coming to us with an idea of something that they want to, they want to do, they feel would be, would be appropriate for the mm. weekend, then we, we really desperately trying to say yes to everything. There is going to come a point where we're going to run out of room, I think, to be honest with you, more than anything. But, um. That's a good place to be though. Yeah. It's, I've, we've been, I don't want to say surprise is not the right word because we always felt that there was the appetite for this, but we've been, I think, like, and overwhelmed with the response. I think that, you know, we've, with the response from exhibitors is, is really key. There's a lot of people that, that really want to get involved. And, 
He'll make a good weekend. And also, but you know, we're going to need to make sure that plenty of people kind of come along. Otherwise, it's not really going to work for everybody. So um, we've, we've done our, our best to kind of keep the ticket prices really low. I mean, our weekend ticket is, is 10 quid. Which is frankly ridiculous, yeah. John. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely I think, I think amazing. kind of considering what, what, you know, it's it's not really a money-making exercise. It's like, it's about creating a, a kind of a really big community event that mm. people, like basically the Southwest kind of can really be proud of. I think it's going to kind of showcase, um, you know, uh, our kind of our community in a, in a complete, completely different light. And, and you know, we are going to make an effort to attract people who aren't necessarily who may be, uh, you know, kind of gaming curious. Yeah, I think yeah. as well. Um, and people that are booking the tickets early as well. There's some incentives like goodie bags and stuff on offer for, for people that are getting involved involved early. Um, there is a website which is um, rolldicegaming.com. Um, which has got all of the um, players packs for the tournament side of things. Mm. Um, actually, it hasn't got the 30k players pack yet because um, we're still kind of discussing exactly what to do regarding it. We think we've kind of got it all nailed down, but um, we want to make sure that it's it's right before it goes up. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, you can buy tickets now. Um, some of the stuff, like the 40k, especially, is actually starting to sell through quite quickly, quicker than we had anticipated, considering that it's. You know, we're still six months out from the event. Mm-hmm. Like we've already sold a lot more tickets than we had anticipated doing so by this time. Considering we've not really began to push the the event a huge amount as of yet, um, so I would encourage people if they're looking to kind of participate in the tournaments. There, there are eighty players each for the forty k and for AOS. That's pretty sizable. It's pretty sizable. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not. You know, it, it's it's going to be. We're going to have I think across all six systems that we've currently got. Um, Kind of, we, we've kind of currently got a framework for. We're going to have 300 players, so it's going to be it's going to be good. But you know, it, it's going to be easily manageable. I mean, 80 80 players, 40 tables for 40k, and 80 players, 40 tables for for hours. I don't think is is kind of too big. We're not, you know, we, we'd rather keep it sensible and put on a, a good event rather than trying to stretch ourselves and our partners too thin and, and end up people being disappointed. I think you know, we'd rather be in a position where we are kind of, you know, under-promising, over-delivering than, than trying to say that, you know, we're going to be putting on, you know, the biggest event in the country, the biggest event in Europe, and it kind of falls flat on its face. That's the, the last thing we want. Um, and I, I really don't think we're in that position. Um, and uh, there's also a Facebook page, a Facebook event as well, which you can kind of, I'm sure you guys are sharing onto the, the two-piece page. We'll be able to kind of check it out from that. Um, and obviously I'll be... Uh, you know, you'll probably start to see a bit more in terms of um, kind of information about exhibitors and events kind of coming through in sort of early February as well. That's when we'd kind of started to plan to kind of release our initial exhibitor list and start mm. ramping things up a little bit and kind of, you know, just sort of driving a little bit more, um, uh, kind of driving a little bit more interest onto the Facebook page and likes. So the best thing to do, kind of do is kind of keep in touch via there. And if anyone's got any questions or if someone has an idea about something that they'd like to see, just fire us an email or drop me a message. Like, you know, we are, like I said, we want to make a really inclusive event. And if you think that there's something there that you think would appeal, if you've got a group or a part of a society that wants to do something along, you know, within the event, then I think that would be, um, yeah, like I said, we're open to absolutely everything, really. 
I think we'll say, and obviously with a podcast, um, we say it's quite lucky because people don't have to see me, uh, but you can't see your face, they don't but you know can how see, they are, they are <laughs> but you can see the excitement. It's great. So Ben and I have met John, um, face to face for the first time today. And it's clear, mate, that you are really pumped for this. I love the fact that fundamentally under it all, you've moved to the Southwest and gone, oh, it's a long way to go to a big event. I know I'll just make my own. Um, that is fantastic. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's great to see the excitement. I think it's going to be cracking, um, long overdue and uh, just the person to be doing it really. Yeah, agree. yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. It's appreciated, definitely. I think, you know, if you can't be passionate about your hobby, then what, why is it your hobby? You know, yeah. I, I think, you know, you, we want to, we want to see that kind of level of excitement, kind of everybody that kind of comes along to the weekend. You know, we want people to kind of go away feeling inspired and pumped up. That's kind of our, the ultimate aim really above everything else is to kind of, you know, it's, it's to keep people infused and to kind of, you know, you know, what we want to, ideally want people to be kind of going away with bundles of stuff that they've seen, just thinking, yeah, that's great. I want to get that. Or I've seen this new game, I've demoed it and it's, it's wicked. I'm going to take it to my games club next week and we're all mm. going to sit down and play it. I want to bully my friends into having a go. And that's kind of, that level of enthusiasm is, is what we kind of, we, we want to be showing over the weekend and we're doing our best to kind of, you know, make sure that there's going to be a, a scenario where, where that is going to be achievable. So, yeah. Brilliant. Good. Awesome. It's been really nice to meet you, John. Thank you very much. Thanks um, for having me. And we will almost certainly promote the hell out of this. Well, I really <laughs> hope so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Thanks. Cool. Yeah, so um, hopefully you enjoyed that. Um, ben and I, well, Ben, I watched Joe pencil it onto Ben's calendar. Did you like um, my, like my tactful? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's this cool event that we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, um, so, so Ben, Ben is, is penciled that in. I will have, well, it will be, it's five weeks after the due date of hobbyist number two. Mm. So we'll see. <laughs> uh, if I come, I will bring. Hobbyist number one <laughs> with me. I'll be bringing Joshua with me. Yeah. Um, and we'll see, but it sounds absolutely fantastic, doesn't it? So, yeah. Good. I'd be, it might be quite nice to bring the boy along, but I think one of the things I quite liked about the sound of it is that it, it, it feels like he wants to make it into a community, a community event. So the doors are going to be open late with a pizza, pizza and a bar, pizza and a bar. So, um, I just, it's going to be a great way for the Southwest community to get to know each other a bit better. So, absolutely awesome. Brilliant. So let's move on into the wilds. The wilds. I'm going to break out into Duke Nukem again. <laughs> Born to be wild. Born to be wild. Hi guys, and we're on our last section now, Into the Wilds. Um, I hopefully will have treated you to some Duke Nukem Into the Wilds clip. Excellent game from back in my childhood. Awesome. Did you ever play Duke Nukem? A little bit, I think. Yeah. On um, the Nintendo 64? No, I played it on the PC, but it might well have been on the Nintendo 64. Um, so what are we going to talk about Into the Wilds today? So I have seen something quite exciting on Kickstarter came up today. Um, for those who don't know Munchkin, it's a game designed by 
Steve Jackson, um, who was one of the founding members of Games Workshop. Um, and it is a card game with an incredible sense of humour, um, and it's a bit of a kind of role-play narrative thing. Great artwork, really sort of weird-looking proportions or odd characters, but... It's very tongue-in-cheek, isn't it? It's hugely tongue-in-cheek. The like, bow and arrows is fantastic. I think the one that made me literally spurt, like, choke on my coke the first time I played was the breastplate. <laughs> absolutely cracked me up. Um, and they've just announced a board game with models based on the artwork for um, for Munchkin, which I'm really excited about, I have to say. I, I am very, very excited about that. Because um, the models are so weird that you could paint them in a really cartoony style and sort of be cool with that. Um, I'm, I'm super excited. And actually, the gameplay looked quite cool too. So one of the things about Munchkin is, you know, you're building your, your story. Um, often I think it's hard to do that with card games and really imagine the sort of progressive narrative of it in a sense. But having it on the board game, I thought, looked like that really helped with that. And you're working your way towards the end boss, and I, I, I think I'm probably going to give that one a shot. Actually, and I think about it. Tristan looked like the look of it, but then Tristan likes the look of anything. So, and as soon as you're in the house, suddenly Warhammer's his favourite thing in the whole universe. So, not <laughs> why you have that influence on anyone there. No. Did you see? That? I showed you the video, didn't I? You did. Yeah. What did you think? Yeah, I think it looked ace. I've enjoyed Munchkin in the past, and I've played it. I've played a Munchkin board game before, like a quite a lot. It's like a long board thing. It's very simplistic. There's yeah. no there's no models for monsters and stuff. It's just the only models are there's five Munchkins, I suppose. Yeah, character. They're all identical except the color. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I quite like it. Yeah, I'm really excited about yeah. that. Yeah. Good fun. You done? I'm done, yeah. So, um, I just didn't want to talk over you. Oh, shut up. So, <laughs> so I wanted to talk about armies, legions, and hordes. Or hordes, legions, and armies, it might be called, actually. Um, be good to get it right. But, yeah, look up both and you'll know. <laughs> it's sp- <laughs> It'll be in the show notes. Um, probably. Dave Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) It's by, uh, Dave Taylor. So I did mention briefly in the hobby desk on episode 37 that I had this book. Yeah. So I've read it now, the whole thing. And it is, it is really interesting, really good read. So there's some really nice armies in there. Really very inspirational stuff. Um, really lovely guard army done with like the rough riders are like riding Bretonian horses and all the guardsmen are built out of Bretonian men at arms. Oh yeah. And they look they so they look very World War One yeah. sort of trench fighter looking. So that's good. But you'd be able to do that now though. Yeah, you would. <laughs> uh, but whilst the hobby is good and there's no doubt, you know, Dave Taylor is is good at hobby. There's a lot more He's a legend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, he used to do a lot of the terrain. The terrain that yeah. it, it always felt like he was a bit like the dude they kept in the warehouse full with empty sprues and just went create awesome and yeah that's what yeah, he did <laughs> so the hobby stuff's really good um but there are lots of resources available for for how to paint things yeah what he talks about a lot is is the kind of the mental thinking i suppose behind approaching a project yeah and like loads of people struggle with motivation for painting 
which is kind of funny, really, in a way, because it's supposed to be a hobby um, that you do just because you enjoy it. But, you know, I've been for it loads and lots of people go through, like, finding motivation. And he talks about that. He talks about keeping a project diary. So I was talking to you about this earlier. Mm, yeah. So say you are, you see a piece of art and you think, wow, that looks great. Those, um, those Tau look fantastic in that piece of art. I really like the way they're leaping down and you get excited about that. And he talks about having your project book and, and, and capturing that, capturing that excitement. What is it that's made you think this is what I want to do? Yeah. And then writing down what you want that to look like on the table. And that becomes something that you can refer back to mm. when you are struggling with the motivation and then write down painting recipes. Um, get, he talks about building habits as well so he he talks about it with painting multiple models so he's he's talking about one point he's talking about he was painting the old steel legion troopers but as um chaos soldiers or something for a blood pack for a, a gaunt's ghost game yeah and i think i think they were called the shriven i think that's what they were but anyway he was talking about how the first one was take took him like 45 minutes because he was working out where all the brush strokes went and the colors and by the end he was painting like a dude in like 10 minutes because he wasn't wasting a single brush stroke and he knew what he was doing and he had like big production line going so he talks about that muscle memory and building up that um and also and the habit of doing that and then the habit as well of getting into like painting a little bit each day which is we yeah, quite yeah, a bit. yeah yeah and interestingly when I was down last, I talked about this quite a lot. So on episode 37 and then over the next few days, cause I wasn't at home, I found it very hard to yeah. do my 30 minutes. By the end of those few days, I was very grumpy. It was really interesting actually afterwards reflecting. I was talking to her about it. It's like I, I actually got like twitchy because I hadn't got that 30 minutes mm. sat down doing some painting and the reason I talk about being a habit is like they said, what they used to say in Games Workshop, because they talked about behaviours. And they used to say, like, to build a behaviour, you've got to do something 15 times in a row for it to become like a natural behavioural thing that you just do. Yeah. Um, but if you don't do it four times in a row, you'll lose it. So, like, we in, in Games Workshop, it was to do with, like, saying hello to people when they came in. Yeah. So if they, if, if, if people came in and, and in 15, 15 times you'd say, hello, hello, you'd start doing it naturally. But if you then didn't do it for the next four people, you'd have to you'd fall out and you'd have to reform the habit again. Mm. Um, and it's a similar thing with the 15 minutes painting. That's what he's talking about anyway. Um, in there and how to approach colors on different projects. So it's really very good. It was only 19 pounds and it's hardback, well presented book. The only little drawback, in my view, is for some reason the large army shots across um, the double page spread. They just—I don't know whether they're out of focus or something. just—they just don't appear as well. They don't look as crisp a picture as all the individual pictures. Mm. Um, there is a flipping massive custodes army in there as well, like thousands and thousands of pounds worth of custodes. It's new, the new custodes, yeah, yeah, the forge world ones. There's two of those dropships. Amazing. To give you, to give you an idea. So yeah, it's really, really nice. Um, definitely worth picking up because as I say, it's not, not expensive. 
and a lot of theory in there. It's really good. I'm looking forward to putting it towards something. Maybe that ultramarine thing I was talking about earlier. Well, I think, I think that, um, doing projects is, is really genuinely challenging, actually. Um, because you, you can grind to a halt with something. Your, your, your corn army is a really good example where you just burnt yourself out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you don't do the hobby, but having, having yeah. a way of approaching it, I think I, I'm keen on reading. I was hoping you were going to bring it up, actually. I know. And it was silly, really. I, I didn't even think about it, to be honest. I mm. put it away on the shelf by then. Off 20 quid, it sounds like it's worth picking up. Yeah. So I love Dave Taylor. I, I think I used to obsess over the pictures of the, of the boards that he'd built. I mean, this is going back before that, before the, um, the miniature hall. Yeah. Was a miniature hall. I mean, before it was just like all of the heavy metal armies just out in cabinets. And yeah, it was, it was fab, but nothing like what they have now. And I almost feel like if he, I'd be surprised if he didn't have some involvement in the early days of that, because if he didn't, certainly his spirit is there. Yeah. It feels like his spirit is there because it was the sort of thing that he was doing. I mean, do you remember like the board with the train on and, oh, so good. Absolutely brilliant. So, I'll probably pick that up. If it's only 20, I thought you was going to say it was like 50 quid or something. And it's quite unique as well. I don't, and obviously, if people correct me if I'm wrong, by all means, but I can't recall another book that is the same subject matter, like completely dedicated to this idea. The Tower of Hobby. Pardon? The Tower of Hobby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very good. Yeah. Be interested to read it. Yeah. So, is that it? Um, seems awfully short, but we've we've been focused on other things this week. We could, we did see terrain crates today, didn't we? Which looked very you know what? Good. Yeah, that's a very good idea, and we should cut out most of what we've just. That gap that we've just left. <laughs> it sounded like we didn't know what we were doing, Dan. Like we hadn't planned it. <laughs> no. I, wow. Yeah. I, um, now. We all know what you think of man. Well, no, no, because <laughs> yeah. I deliberately, because for, for lots of reasons, I don't talk about my feelings about that particularly on the podcast. So people might not know, but the people that know me, my friends near to me, yeah. Know that I'm not a big fan of of um, the Mantic games at all, <laughs> In, um, and and a lot of it's not through um, experience of the game systems, but just generally for some some of the stuff that I've seen and, and has happened in the past that I just I just don't like. So anyway, um, that aside, they have created terrain crate which is lots and lots of the sort of filler i suppose for dungeons and dungeons and dragons and stuff on battlefields that's like small like little tents and barrels it's, it's all and fantasy crates. to start with let's say that yeah, yeah no is... there is a sci-fi one. Oh, i haven't seen that but no. the ones we saw today were fantasy yeah and it's um it's really good isn't it well and I, I, I yes is the short answer to that what i'm surprised about is they're not on sprues so they seem to be a cast resin of some description or another. Um, and it's, so let's just take, for example, 
there's one called Camp. And it's a 20 quid box, or 20 something quid box. And in it is the tents, roll mats, fireplaces, the sort of supply crates, all of that kind of stuff that you would have or expect around a camp site. Um, there's another one which is sort of sorcerer's den or something like that. And it's filled with all the gubbins that you would find in a sorcerer's room. There's a library one with bookshelves. So there's lots of different options or versions of this, of these kits. And I, I think they're great. I think they're fab value for money. Looking at the cast pieces, they are, they're good quality. Um, and I can see them having a lot of uses. Yeah, and, and actually, I picked up some crates that mm. are from Foreground today. Yep. And on the way to your house, I was thinking, oh, maybe I should have got the terrain crate thing, which had crates and barrels and stuff in it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, certainly, one day I'd love to really do a, a role-play game, and I would definitely want to populate my dungeon with that stuff. I think it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I think I have often role played without a board. Like all in the script, mind. all in the mind, yeah. Um and I, I like that, but then there's a huge part of me which I don't understand really. I think it's because I don't want to have to invest that much time into it because I've got it's already struggle enough as it is to paint all the models that I I've got for the games I've got, let alone for role playing. But when you see something like that, it, all of a sudden it becomes, it feels like it's a, an achievable thing. If, you know, to put down some card tiles, because I've got a fair few of them, and then populate them with these things. Um, I it, find it helps with immersion. the immersion, yeah. really, of the environment around you. Like you can often, and, and more so when combat happens. Yeah. So when you're not in combat, and then the DM, if you know, if you're fortunate enough to have a DM that's able to give really nice descriptive stuff and can set the atmosphere, mm. then then that's great because you're thinking about that. But once you're in, once a combat begins and you're starting thinking about that, then I feel like my in my mind, my imagination narrows down to me and that combatant. And I like the bat, the, the, the like layout stuff to to broaden that and see yeah. where it is in the bigger picture. Um, I I don't often like getting rulesy with that though. No, um, I like it to represent it, but not to not be too much because you can have. I think often you can get that. Oh yeah, but you can't see that because that cupboard's in the way. Or I, I don't like it getting too too rulesy. But starship scenery. Oh yeah. Oh, look at those gun cabinets. Mm. Yeah, that's really good, isn't it? That, that table makes me think of aliens. Yeah. What are you doing, Bishop? <laughs> Love it. Yeah, that's good, isn't it? I think that's um, I think that's a quality offering. And for a good price as well. Yep, very good. Uh, and I can see that populating a lot of tables. What else have we got? Starship Doors. But when when you go through a door, if I'm going to role play anything, people have to make the noises. <laughs> so, where was I going with it? Oh, do you know what the do you know what they do remind me of? Hero Quest. Yes, those bookcases, man. Oh yeah, really, really cool. <laughs> they are those bookcases. 
When I saw them today, I did have this thing in my mind where I was like, do you know what would be really cool? To build a HeroQuest board. Like, properly build it. Yeah. With all the tiles. Do you remember um, Phil did the goblins in the pantry? Yes. Trolls in the pantry yeah. or something, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, and he yeah. built the board. Yeah. That was brilliant. Yeah, but then I wanted to do the Gore Chosen board as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and the Shades Bar board. <laughs> Can't see any of it happening soon. But... Well, there we go. Um, I think... I think that brings us to the end of our little in, jaunt into the wilds. It does. Um, as ever, just a big thank you to everyone that supports us generally and particularly to, um, to our patrons as well. Um, cause it's just really nice of you, really, isn't it? Yeah. It, it helps a lot. Yes. It um, does. It helps a lot. Um, there's one of the things that we're looking for. Um, in the future is going to be, I mean, we've already, I think the video software we've got because of you guys is really very good. Um, and, but I mean, we're going to ho- hopefully as, as time passes on, we'll be able to produce some better videos where, um, games and I don't know what, where we're going to take that, but just us having a laugh really, I think. But what I'm thinking of next is something like an interview mic so we can do the shows properly and really, because at the moment we're doing them on our phone. And it's not great. Anyway, we can find us on at the Two Piece Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are on YouTube. Just search for um, the Two Piece Podcast, and there you'll find us. Um, and we have a website. And we have a website. Yeah, we do have a website that populates with our show notes, painting guides, all sorts of nonsense on there. It's twopeaceinapod dot com. Yeah, Dan is going to do a series of articles on on, on his corn army, but. They're just stuck as a draft with no title at the moment, Dan. No, they're called Tales of a Cornishman. Yeah, that's true. That is their name. That's because Dan was the that was his gem, and I loved it. Yeah, it's good. So you never know, you might write an article. <laughs> it's going to be an ongoing <laughs> hobby blog. You'll have to start the hobby blog for it to be ongoing. Yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a work in progress hobby blog at the moment. It's like a blank page. No, I've written a paragraph. Wow. There you go. You never know. You might see that soon. <laughs> Thank you, guys. And we'll see you for episode 39. We are closely approaching 40. You're approaching 40 closer than me. Shut up. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.